Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Coming up on episode 302 of Wheel Bearings, we've got the updated Blue Cruise, Chevy Colorado, the Lamborghini Huracan, Toyota Sequoia, Lincoln Corsair plug-in hybrid, the new Volvo EX30, new SUVs from Lexus, the GX and TX, going for a robo-taxi ride in Austin, the death of CCS, and it'll cost you more for your Tesla insurance if you actually use autopilot. All that and more coming up next. This is episode 302 of Wheel Bearings. I'm Sam Abual Salmon from Guidehouse Insights. And I am Nicole Wakelin. We're going to say the Road Reflected podcast. That's my own little project. Ooh. Yeah, I fancy. Uh, I am Roberto Baldwin from, uh, let's say Engadget. I don't remember what I said last week, but I'm just going to say Engadget <laughs> this week because I'm doing a lot of work for Engadget in the next two weeks. That counts. Okay. Very good. All right. Uh, well, Nicole, let's start yes. with you. You okay. had a couple of SUVs. I had a couple of SUVs. So the first thing I had was I had, well, actually, in, in no particular order, um, a Lincoln Corsair plug-in hybrid, uh, which I like PHEVs. I think they're fun. I'm all for the PHEVs. Uh, well, you spent you, your money on one, so. I did, I right? Exactly. Would. Proof, yeah. So this is, I like the Corsair. The thing is, if you want the plug-in hybrid of the Corsair, I want to say there's three trims. You can only get it in the Grand Touring, otherwise you're getting the gas engine. So you have to go with the most expensive version of the Corsair that you can get, the fancy pantsest one, and it's $53,885. It's not cheap eats. Yeah, so it's pretty pricey. That's like the Lincoln problem, I think. Right? <laughs> everything's a little bit more – everything feels like it's a little bit – it costs a little bit more than it should. It costs a little – yeah, and it was like 53885 And the funny thing, so this last week I had – the entire family in town, both of my daughters and one daughter's boyfriend. So three of them were trying to fit into the back. No, thank you. Uh, it was like, uh, it like they were going to try it. And we, I actually had another sedan this week. And like, can we try the sedan instead? I'm like, okay, we get in the sedan. Like, yeah, this is living. <laughs> so it is not, it is. And it's like six foot three college guy and two girls. They were like, no, this is not going to cut it to go get ice cream at Hayward's today. Can we take the other car mom? So it's really a two person in back it is not three people yeah. despite and, what and it i would say, say that's that's pretty consistent you know for all the smaller crossovers right yeah they're like, the hey, most... you get, like there's another seat belt but it's really a trick 
Right? It's like, and a very rare occasion do you actually think you can fit three people back there. But it wasn't just, it was like the left to right, you know, the shoulder squish that was happening. But even in terms of like having enough room for their knees, like my husband's 6'3", the boyfriend there is 6'3". Uh, they could not sit like it was like, no, I cannot sit behind each other. So it's it's not huge. But you know what? You're buying a crossover. You're not getting this to shove a family of five into all the time, right? This was an exception for me to like a test case, I guess. Quick um, question. Yeah. Um, when, you know, as far as the legroom, obviously the, the width, there's nothing you can do about. Right. But the Corsair and the Escape, they both have a sliding back seat. So you can, you can stretch, you can move it like eight inches forward or back. Um, you know, so you can either bias it towards more cargo space or more legroom. Did you try moving the back seat back? Yeah, at least in it terms was, of legroom? I, I believe we had it back as far as we could get it. Okay. I didn't like shove it again after they got in, but I'm like, I don't, yeah, it was, it was going to take more than eight inches of space. Yeah. Poor, poor Rez's kneecaps are like at his chest. He's like, yeah. nope, mm, not going to happen. So, I mean, that makes it easier for the, for like what my shortest daughter's like five, five, she had enough room, but like she had enough. You know what I mean? She didn't have extra to spare. She had just enough room. Uh, and that was sitting behind me, and I'm 5'6". So it's not – it is not a tall person's car. I mean, it's not super – We can't super. travel. We're not allowed to travel in packs anyway, tall you people. Can't, right. You, you can't <laughs> Because if we all fall down at once, we're going to cause a, a scene. It's yeah. going to cause a you scene. You want to keep you guys isolated. Right. Yeah. Only one six-foot-plus person per car at a time. That's the maximum yeah. limit. There's signs and stuff. We tried to ignore them. It was a bad call. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, this is definitely – Two people in the back or and, and you know, it's I feel like the Corsair is for someone who really doesn't have a family, like you're just having a couple of friends that you're bringing along sometimes and you want to be able to have that versatility for cargo. Like that's a large part of why you get a crossover. It's easier to have a hatchback than it is to have a trunk. You can fit more stuff in there. You can fl flip the seats down and then you actually have genuine room to put cargo in, whatever it is, suitcases, what have you. So I feel like that's exactly what this does. I mean, if that's what you're looking for, it's, it's a great idea. Um, this has... I just lost my turn out 2.5 liter four cylinder, 266 horsepower. So it's fine. It's, it's good. Has 28 miles of range. The only thing that I noticed that I thought was kind of, and it wasn't just me. I wrote with other people and they thought the same thing. When it makes the switch from gas to electric, it is loud. Like the, it, I know you, whenever that switch happens in a PHEV, there's a moment of like, Ooh, the engine seems loud you know, because mm -hmm. you've been driving in silence. And there's a second where it seems kind of loud. This one was loud enough that someone's like, what's that noise? Like, it was enough that it, like, was oh. jarring. And I was like, I think the engine just kicked on because we've used up our, our battery. Like, mm -hmm. really? That's what that is? I'm like, that's what that is. So it's – and I realized, like, it was kind of it's, – it's sort of louder than you would expect, the engine sound for a vehicle that's supposed to be a luxury car because I feel like a large part of a luxury car is unless you're driving some super performance thing, you don't want to hear the engine. You want it to be. Yeah. You want to muffle that. You want to muffle that, and I feel like in this one, it's like, whoa, okay, the engine's on now. So it was a. It wasn't rough in terms of like you don't feel it. It's not like one of those when it switches the car like moves like shakes, but the sound is really dramatically different from between electric and gas. So that was like sort of my mm, not too keen on that. Um, but in terms of the luxury part. Leathers, there's leather everywhere. There's heated front seats. There's ambient lighting. There's this really cool thing, like right on the center console, where it displays a little light that looks like the Lincoln logo. So if you put your hands under it, it puts a little Lincoln logo on your hand for a second. Yeah, fancy. That's, 
completely useless, but it was really cool. Um, and they did have something. Okay, I tried this out. So we had the wildfires up in Canada. And mm-hmm. I think you got some of this in Detroit even. Mm-hmm. We um, did. Yeah, our, our air quality was pretty bad for a few right? days. Not so as bad I, as the East Coast, but it was. Yeah, I think we, were, we weren't we were as bad as Detroit because we're sort of on the, the way the swath came down. We're on the edges of it, not in the thick of it, sort of. So, but one of the things Lincoln actually reached out and said, hey, we realize that you have our car and you're in the Northeast and there's terrible smoke. They have an auto air refresh it's a it's an available feature. It's not a standard thing, and it has like an air filtration system that always can like goes in the car and helps monitor the cabin air quality. But you can look at it and it tells you the particulate matter in your car. Like there's a little screen and it's like yellow, green, orange, you know, all the way to like dark burgundy. And apparently mm-hmm. you're just inhaling directly from a fire. Mm-hmm. So you have this range and it shows you the particulate matter. And I. Played with it when the air is fine, like it is now. The fires, I think, are pretty much over with, or at least we're not getting an impact from here in the Northeast. And it was like zero one, zero one. So it's in green and it's all happy. I tried it when the smoke had sort of wasn't at its peak here. And it was like at the top end of the yellow. So you can see and it can monitor that. So it knows like my cabin air quality is terrible. So it works to recirculate that and, and take as much of the particulate matter out of the air as possible to bring it back down again. I thought that was kind of neat. And I saw, I Googled, I did some Google foo and I saw some people who put up pictures of this who were more in the thick of it. And it was all the way into like fully into the orange scary part in the middle of the range. That's how bad it was, but it's kind of neat because it's not something you really think about. And it's not like we have wildfires all the time, but if you live in a city, Let's presume you just live in a city. Let's say you live where Robbie lives. Let's say you're yeah. Robbie. <laughs> and every day is for a particular matter. Yeah. And then Wildfire went, Central. Exactly. So for me, it was an odd thing. But for those who live in a city or someplace where wildfires are an issue, it can actually help keep the air quality in your car a little better. So, of course, you're going to get out of your car and deal with whatever you deal with. But it's nice to know that you have that. I thought that was kind of neat. Cool. So, yeah. so if you live somewhere where there's wildfires, buy a Lincoln Corsair. By Lincoln Corsair, because you can use the, I I just have to read this description because the description is so markety, it's funny. Available auto air refresh is a holistic air filtration and active air monitoring system. It's holistic. Oh, man. Makes it sound very fancy. I was Every like, time oh, I hear the word holistic, my brain just shuts off and I just start thinking about other things. But it was cool. It has, a holistic. It has, I'm all, oh, oh, what? That's why I said that to you after I told you what it did. Yeah. I didn't want you to fall asleep ahead of time. Um, yeah. So, it, so that was kind of a neat. And I think the, the kind of fun thing about that is one of the things you get when you start going to luxury cars, you get these weird little quirky features like, why do I have that? Oh, hey came in handy. So that's, that's kind of a neat thing. So I, and I like driving it, like I said, really not backseat. It's, it's like usable for two for short drives. It's not really for a person car all the time. It's an occasional two people in the back, but it's nice to drive. It's very, it's, it feels luxurious. It's super comfortable, has all the sort of amenities that you want, you know, leather wrap steering wheel, all that kind of good stuff. So it feels every bit like a luxury car and it has like this huge, it's got like a 13.2 inch infotainment screen and a 12.3 inch instrument cluster. So you have that nice long span of digital across the dashboard, which I feel like makes every car feel and look like, okay, you're updated and you're of the moment, not holding on to an eight inch screen, just like smashed on top there from, you know, five years ago. It's just crammed in there. Just, just cram- cracks. Like, stick just this cracks on the dash. in the dash Blamo. from where you just, the guy like, just, <laughs> just riveted it in. There's just screws on the back. They pop through the screen a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hey, yeah. the Maverick in my driveway right now has an eight-inch screen. 
and it's fine. I'm, There's no cracks. I'm fine with okay. an 8-inch screen. I, I like the big screens. I think they make oh, yeah. it feel like a luxury thing. Well, they and, make and it feel cool. That's, that's why the new Nautilus is going to this 49-inch, you know, coast to coast display. It's just one Everything. giant screen. There's no dashboard. It's, so that, it's actually two, but yeah. <laughs> mega, mega glass. Mega um, glass. You know, to, yeah. to what you were saying about, you know, it's really being a vehicle for two, you know, the automakers, you know, Ford, Lincoln, others, you know, have talked about, you know, in this size class, you know, the these are the the vehicles that are, you know, they're really targeting more both empty nesters on mm-hmm. the, the one end of the age spectrum and like millennials, you know, Gen Z or, you know, very young families um, at, at the other end of the spectrum. And then, you know, in between, you know, for those that actually do need more space, you know, that's that's why they offer bigger models like the Nautilus and, and the Aviator. Um, so, you know, the automakers are, are well aware of, you know, what Who's these, buying? Yeah, right. what, yeah, and, and who who the expected audience is for these types of vehicles? Yeah, this isn't. I think the thing is like people think crossover and like once upon a time crossover really was just like a slightly smaller SUV. Now crossovers can get small. You know, they really are mm-hmm. just like they're, they're just raised of, hatchbacks. Th- yeah, now. think yeah. of them as raised hatchbacks. Exactly. Like think of them. Okay, the versatility of a sand a sedan in terms of people, it's the cargo part that gets different. The people part doesn't necessarily get different in those. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll, we'll be talking more about another one of those a little bit later on in the show uh, yes. that just was unveiled this week. Yes. All right. So what else did you drive? So I was also driving the Toyota Sequoia, which I cannot spell that word. I swear to God, we wrote this <laughs> Sequoia, story. Sequoia, you have to be I, from California in order to spell it. I spelled cause... Sequoia different every single time. Like, it wasn't like I misspelled it consistently the same way. I came up with new and exciting spellings for Sequoia <laughs> as I went through the story. I'm like, none of this is right. Autocorrect, I need help. <laughs> oh. So so I had the Toyota Sequoia when I was out in um, Milwaukee for a graduation. So we had a bunch of families. So I'd asked for something that could seat a, a, a bunch of people. And they gave me a Sequoia, which was fine. Um, I had the TRD Pro trim, so it's kind of like uh, sort of rugged. It was not off-roading. <laughs> uh, uh, the R factor. Uh, yeah, so that's the sound of off-roading. Um, but it was Milwaukee, so it wasn't like I was off-roading anywhere. Uh, I like driving. But the they, thing they is, do have potholes. They they have potholes that will swallow your car whole. So were you yes. running into so, them like so on purpose? I, just on purpose, kablam! Yeah. So now this poor so car. So TRD has no Pro suspension. was appropriate then. Yes. Um, so and it was great. The only thing that you know, driving something that's just the Sequoia is not small, and you it's big wheels and big everything and high and so like we're driving downtown. I'm like thinking, oh, this is not the right car to have in downtown Milwaukee. <laughs> it was fine, it's slightly outside the city where everyone was, but right downtown, I thought, oh, this is not. This that's is what not the Corsair's fun. for. That's what you need your Corsair. Urban, you need you need a minivan. You need you need a smaller one. So it was still great, though. I mean, it has tons of room. The thing that's weird about it that have you guys driven the the Sequoia? Have mm-hmm. you okay, yeah. no, but, I had one about a month or two. Ago. Okay, did you play around with the cargo situation in the back of the Sequoia? Yeah, I, a little bit. I don't understand. So okay, so there's not a lot of room behind the third row, but then no. when you fold the third row down, there's these little handles that when you kind of slide it forward further, so you can push the seats. It feels like maybe six inches, maybe eight inches. You can slide them all forward. When they're folded down, they'll slide forward, so you get a little bit more room. And then it has this little cargo floor thing that's, I'm going to say maybe it runs the width of the vehicle, but it's only maybe a foot and a half, 
two feet maybe. And it sits sort of on the bottom. And when you want it just sitting there, there's a tiny little space underneath where you could put stuff. But then you can take that little thing out and you slide it into little notches and now it's in the middle. So it's level with like where that third row seat is folded. It has a little flap that comes down. And now you have a flat load surface from your all the way across to your like, so it's, but it's now up. Like it's not all the way down. So you're now, it's like raised up from the cargo floor. And then there's a third position. You can put it even higher. And I honest to God, couldn't figure out why you would do that unless maybe you had the third row seats up. So you have the third row seats up and then you can have it hot, like a little shelf behind the third like, row seat. Right. Yeah. So which, which so you can put you like have... candy and chips back right. there while you're sitting you there and just, well, hold on. Let me get my, my, my funions. Because <laughs> I, I got the first level and I got the second level. I put it in the third level. I'm like, why? I don't, I don't get the maybe third level. Can you, you can put things underneath it, right? You can. You can tap. So maybe, maybe it was just so to be people able can't to see. hide stuff, I guess. Well, put, uh, it was weird. I think Ford Ford has something like this on the Expedition as well, and other I think other OEMs are doing it now. Yeah. Um, you know, and it is exactly that. So you can, you know, if you've got shorter stuff, you know, and you want to, it gives you an opportunity to stack things. So you have yeah. diff- more flexibility in how you put things in the back. So, you you know, your groceries, you know, you could have. Put the you bread know, on the shelf. Levels. Yeah, you yeah, could have. I mean, yeah, I guess to a point, but more it was. Sensitive stuff up top. It was that top level that I thought was your, but what was kind of cool though is on the, when you have it all the way on the bottom or it doesn't matter where you put it, but you still have, when it's in its lowest little spot, you have maybe, I don't know, like six inches of space under it. And between the actual like floor of the car, and there's these little pieces that snap in, like that go the length that can partition it off, like left to right. There's these three little plastic things, and you can take them out, so it's like one long space. Or you could snick them in in different spots. So you could have a wide spot, a narrow spot. You could put your so grubby. you display your tchotchkes in the back. Like I guess. Well, it's really quiet. low. Oh. You couldn't see it. It's way in the bottom. So wow. and you can take them out entirely if you just want it to be one spot, or you can just sort of schnick them in like like little yes. different spots so it's could it's you like, put it like a six pack of like what is it bottled beer in like one of those spots so it doesn't you, slide around you could put it you could put anything like it would keep that would be like keep your eggs from smacking into the cars yeah there you go i'm trying to think of breaking th- stuff that'll break. yeah you could fragile put stuff, things that's what they're you called you could put stuff in there and break it up so i'd actually like that i thought that was kind of neat the way that divided up and that you could mess around with that but overall it was weird it was like it's a very short space between behind the third row but then they made it really fancy i'm like well why don't you just make a little more space behind the third row like to begin with <laughs> like like you went all this work to do this cool cargo system um so i thought it was both cool and confusing the cargo situation cool and confusing cool and confusing is how i would describe the cargo yeah uh but you know it's this is it's only a hybrid it's a 3.5 liter v6 hybrid 437 horsepower so it's going to move. I mean, it's a big vehicle, but it moves. Um, it, it's their iForce Max hybrid, which is the, what, how do they describe it? I guess it's like the hybrid that also delivers you performance. It's not just hybridy. It's like a balance between hybrid fuel efficiency and full-out performance. It kind of like, yeah, it's, it's really more biased towards performance yeah. and efficiency. So it's a little bit more fun to drive. I get, although hybrids aren't what they were years ago. Hybrids are not bad to drive, but it, so it makes it a little bit more fun to drive. Um, and it, you know, it, it feel like I was driving the TRD trim has cool little elements to make it look fancy off road inside that, you know, stitching and blah, blah, blah. But it's basically, it's, it's a pretty upscale vehicle when you get to the TRD trim or they, and they also have a capstone, which is the fancy new trim they introduced with the Tundra. That's like their premium, most premium of the premium Toyota's, get the capstone 
label. So it, it feels like a premium vehicle. You know, it, 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 it feels that way. So I, I like the Sequoia. I just feel like the cargo situation was it. If you, if you're going to be using it for people, it's really roomy for people. It's, it's, that's great. But if you're using it for that, if you want to put like third row cargo behind the third row, I feel like it's wonky. It's, there's just not enough back there and it's kind of a funky floor system. Yeah, I was the other night when we were in Texas. Um, I was talking to someone from Toyota uh, off the record, and he did acknowledge that, like the Sequoia, during the development, you know, when they were when they were creating the new Tundra, and this is based on the Tundra, um, there the Sequoia program was um, killed and revived multiple times because they they weren't sure if they wanted to build another Sequoia. Uh, because the sales, you know, kind of were hard to justify doing the Sequoia. Uh, I'm just looking at the um, sales to sales figures. Uh, mm-hmm. In 2021, they only sold 8,000 of them, and last year it was only 5,300. Wow. Because last year was, you know, the switchover. Yeah. But, um, you know, 8,000 8, the year before. So, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why they decided, okay, we're, we're only going to do the one powertrain option. Mm-hmm. And also, the previous-gen Sequoia, um, unlike the the Tundra, did have an independent rear suspension, which made for more more room in the back because you could have a lower lower uh, floor back there. Uh, so it makes more, more comfortable seating in the third row. The new Sequoia went back to the the solid axle that's on the uh, on the Tundra. Um, so again, there, you know, there's some compromises. You know, they did some compromises womp, womp. to try to yeah. keep the, the the development cost, the build materials cost down somewhat. You know, to help justify building it at all it kind of i guess that's kind of what it feels like i mean driving and there are parts of it that are really nice you know some of the the way they've the materials and things are nice inside of it it looks good you know there's like a 14 inch infotainment touchscreen on the one i have you got you know things like their premium auto and chi wireless charging they have all this really cool stuff that's available but at the same time you kind of look at the versatility of it like an suv that size you know, this is one where you're using this for people. You're using this for cargo. And it feels like it wasn't – it feels a little bit like halfway. Like it just is not – Yeah, when when you compare it, you know, especially to the GM big mm-hmm. SUVs, the, the Tahos and Suburbans and Yukons and, and Escalades, you know, and, and even to the Expedition Navigator, you know, it's not quite there. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, especially like if you compare it against a wagon Jeep Wagoneer, Oh you know, yeah, it's it's not quite in the same ballpark. So yeah. I think it's this is not going to be a huge boost in set. Not likely to be a huge boost in sales to Toyota's bottom nope. line. Yeah, I agree. So how how much was your Sequoia? Oh, um, I didn't have a Monroni on my Sequoia. So mystery I, Sequoia, it's a mystery Sequoia. Shoot, and I didn't wait. Did I thought I had the pricing in front of me, and now I can't find it. Hold on, hold on. Free. Hold on, hold on. Everyone gets a free Sequoia. You if you can spell it on the first try, you get it. I <laughs> just give it to you. I don't even know what the base pricing is. I don't have uh, so it. The, I don't have it. The, I'm the, terrible. The Sequoia starts at sixty thousand dollars for the SR5, and you had a TRD. Pro. I had the TRD Pro, so it's going to be a chunk more than that. It's yeah. It starts at uh, seventy-seven thousand five sixty-five. Yeah, see? That's so too almost much. almost seventy-eight grand. You know, when you add in your delivery charge and everything, you're you're looking close to eighty grand. See, yeah, would you pay eighty? You drove it, Sam. Would you pay eighty grand for that car? No, I don't think so. No, if I was going to spend 80 grand on a full size SUV, the Sequoia would not be my first choice. Yeah, 
And as uh, I feel like I'm kind of slamming it, like it was fine for what it was, and you can go off road and you can put people in it and it's durable and you know looks good and all that. But I'm just like, it's just not, it's not all there. Like, does he have independent rear suspension? So every person in the third row is like, oh god. Oh yeah, all those <laughs> potholes, the, the potholes you're mentioning that could swallow a car. Oh my gosh, like well, you felt them, man. You felt those potholes. <laughs> yeah, and and as a hybrid. You know, it doesn't get particularly good fuel efficiency. I think I got like 17 miles per gallon with it. Yeah, it says um, the EPA combined is 22 miles per gallon. Yeah, but I've, I've never gotten close to the EPA numbers for either the Sequoia right. or the Tundra. And uh, 22 is not, is not great, yeah. you know? And, you know, the, um, uh, you know, the Wagoneer, for example, you know, in that same price range, uh, you know, uh, even though the Wagoneer doesn't get great fuel economy, <laughs> I I would take I would I think I would take the Wagoneer, um, with especially the new one with the Hurricane uh, inline mm-hmm. six, um, you know it gets comparable fuel economy to this and it's not even a hybrid, right. um, and it's a much nicer place to spend time and you know I'm my guess is it will probably do better off road even than than the Sequoia yeah and it's well and that vehicle too it's it's the 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 cargo versatility is better in it and it is a way more smooth refined ride i mean it's still a jeep but it's a great big luxury jeep so it and it feels like it this one for that price it just yeah the competition is really strong i can see i can see why they're only selling five thousand of these you know just trying to pick up the people who already have sequoias and they're toyota families i feel like it's diehard yeah yeah and Brand has that right. If you love your Toyota, and there's nothing wrong with Toyotas. Yeah, there's, I like there's them. a lot of people who will buy nothing but a Toyota, and right? for good reason because you know, they, they go are, forever. They, yeah, they're they, durable. They're reliable. You get uh, rid of a Toyota because you've just grown tired of it. It will never yeah, give up on yeah. you. It will you go gave it to your you gave forever. it to your child or another right. family member. You're like, or it's time to hand it on, or I need to go from a sedan up to an SUV or whatever. It's not like, oh, my car died. It's like I have decided I'm done with it. I will hand you. I on need to more the next or less individual. space. Yeah, it's not because the car ever fails on you. It's just your life circumstances have changed and uh-huh. it no longer works for you. Yep. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, 
head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. All right, Robbie. I drove two cars this week. I'm going to talk about the very they're, exciting They're both version. really boring, right? Yes, this is the, the, the exciting one. The Chevy Colorado, Colorado uh, Trail Boss. It's, um, yeah, it's an all-wheel drive crew, crew cab, the 2023. It's, uh, it's a truck, all right. It's a truck. <laughs> so I got into the car uh, the other day, and I'm adjusting, you know, the seats and the, the mirrors and the side mirrors and the steering wheel. And then um, I realized that the uh, this in this uh, forty one thousand dollar vehicle, uh, it started with the base price of thirty seven thousand. It doesn't have a telescoping um, steering wheel. That's an odd really? And I'm just decision. fighting with it. I'm like yanking on it. I'm just doing anything. I'm like, is it stock it I'm looking for another, like, is there another level? Is there another lever? Is there like a thing that I'm not? Nope. And so then I bust out the, the, the owner's manual. I see nothing, nothing about the, wow. the owner's manual. I'm just like, okay, okay then. So, um, so I don't have, you know, so I'm not straight arming it. I have to move my seat a little bit forward. So now my knees are bent more so than i than i than i uh would like because i have long arms and long legs and uh you're gangly yeah so yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> so all right so okay so you, you 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 go past that driving it around it's fine it's the, the problem with it is that it exists in the world with the toyota tacoma that's it that's its issue is that it exists in the world where if I was driving this and then I got into Tacoma, I'm like, well, why would I even, why would I even drive this? Why would I buy this? Why would I, why would I buy the Colorado over the, the Toyota Tacoma? And that's Did you come I, up it, with an answer. Is there a reason to buy it? Not really. I mean, well, okay, maybe. Um, so it does have, uh, it has Android Automotive, so it does have Google Maps in it, okay. and you can say, hey, Google, you know, take me to here, take me to there, do this, do that. So that's nice. So I think that that's, you know, I think. And I know GM's like, oh, we're getting rid of CarPlay. We've already had that whole discussion. Right. And part of that is because of Android Automotive, and they want to be able to say this is better than using CarPlay. And it's not, not, not yet, not for, especially not for a lot of people. Uh, but it is, it's Android Automotive does make it a much better system. So, so that's nice. And uh, I could drive over things. So you always got that going for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, it gets. Uh, about 19 miles per gallon combined, uh, 21 highway, 17 city. So it's about what you would expect from a raised uh, pickup, mid-sized pickup truck. So it's not, you know, it's not horrible, but it's not great. Um, it's got a 2.7 liter turbo, and it, oh, you, when you're driving, you can hear the turbo spinning up. So that's that's kind of cool. That's fun. <laughs> you can hear that noise. Um, that's the turbo noise. Um, I, I got that. That's the sound of yeah. a turbo. In case anyone's yeah. never driven one, that's exactly. <laughs> that's what, what it, it sounds, sounds like. like. Exactly like that. It just sounds like someone's underneath the hood, just like sucking air through their <laughs> teeth. <laughs> um, um, yeah, no, it's it's fine. That's that's my <laughs> that's my thing. Is like it's just hard to justify that that price tag for the trail boss. How much um, is it again? So the the st uh, standard pricing for the Trail Boss version that I drove is thirty seven thousand dollars. That's a the, lot. So. I have mine has um, the the one I was driving was forty one thousand uh, dollars, and it comes with a convenience package with the easy lift tailgate and like um, 
there's a tailgate storage area where you put the tailgate down and you turn these two little like levers and it opens up and there's like a little spot where you can put sandwiches or saws or whatever inside the tailgate and then you close and you open. So it's yeah, so you got that and you get the rear window sliding and cruise control and you know, it's 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 got most of the things you expect from a modern vehicle except for a telescoping steering wheel and I'm like it I'm just I'm just trying to wrap my head around that decision. Like that feels like a weird place to try. Okay, is it's that like, like we're that stop. expensive a we're component done. to do? Yeah. Is that significantly super pricey? Engineering yeah. Sam, is that really pricey? Um, it does add complexity. Yeah, it, it adds cost to it. Um, although, you know, on a modern vehicle, you know, something that's launching in 2023. That's at yeah. that price point. Yeah. It seems kind of inexcusable not to have a telescoping steering wheel. Like if it was like a twenty thousand dollar truck, if it was like Chevy's like Ford Maverick, and I got well, into it, the Ford it, Maverick has a telescoping steering. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I would give it a little bit of oh, like I'd be and, like. And okay. you know what else the, the Maverick comes standard with now for twenty twenty three that it didn't have when it originally came out? What cruise control, which does not oh. come standard on the Colorado. It's such a weird. But, I, there's so many weird decisions made with this vehicle. It's just like GM is nickel and diming you strange. with this truck, and then you're just like. Why would I buy this over? I, I, I would get a Maverick before I would get this. Yeah, and the well, Maverick's small. <laughs> you know, Andre at TFL Trucks, he he bought a Colorado, bought one of the first ones like a month or two ago, and you know they have a video that you know him and, and Roman did uh, when when they first got it, and uh, he was he mentioned both of these things: the non-telescoping steering wheel and the uh, uh, the lack of cruise control. As standard, oh, really? he, he bought a base Colorado, base level Colorado. This is just his personal car that he bought. Yeah. Okay. And what was he, it? Why? he was a little miffed because he didn't realize it didn't come standard with cruise control. Oh, so what? So what made him? Did he say why he why Colorado? What what made him buy that in the first oh, place? Oh, I mean, you know the the TFL guys, you know they they buy new vehicles. They buy a all lot of vehicles. Yeah. Okay. And they buy them and and then sell, you know, and do all kinds of testing with them for several months and then usually sell them. So this is one of the ones you're just going to use. Okay. I wasn't sure if and, this, and this like is his... one that he bought for himself as, you know, as a personal vehicle, but they're also shooting videos with it. And he's probably he, going to sell it. He, yeah, oh yeah. He was, <laughs> he was kind of miffed that, uh, that it didn't have cruise control or the, the telescoping wheel. Yeah. It, everything, it feels, I don't want to say ch- it doesn't have. Uh. Well, this is this is one of the weird things that GM has done for a long time. They make some very strange product decisions that you know they they do a lot of stuff really well, and then you know they will decide to nickel and dime on something like the steering column or the cruise control. Yeah, and and you know one of my big complaints over the years has been some of their decision, especially over the last five or six years around their driver assist features, you know, where other manufacturers are making, uh, you know, things like radar adaptive cruise control, like Toyota, for example, it's pretty much standard on all trim levels on almost all their models, you know, uh, even on, you know, Cadillacs, you know, they didn't come standard with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, it's, it's kind of the way GM has been for a while now. Yeah, it's a it's a it's it's a very weird decision because it's it's you could I feel like you could do this in the 90s or early 2000s where people just weren't researching the hell out of their vehicles before where they could find out the minutia of everything that's going on in their vehicle. Now someone can just get on a podcast or they can go to mm-hmm. TFL or can they just look on Twitter or they can and find out that this thing doesn't have you know <laughs> these things and yeah. he's like 
well, why would I buy this over the Ranger or why would I buy this over the Tacoma? And so it's, it's a very, you know, driving it around again, it's fine. It does all the things you're supposed to do. I didn't have a chance to take it off road, unfortunately. Um, which is always sort of a bummer whenever I get these, these off-road versions of the, of the vehicles, because it's a two hour drive to the off-road place. And then I got to drive around and two hours in fact, and I'd some, you know, I just don't have time. It's unless it's a, like a hive, you know, unless I'm doing a video, I'm not going to drive for five hours just so I can say, Hey, I took it in the dirt. <laughs> five hours there, there and back five minutes in the dirt. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a, it's not, it's not a, yeah. So yeah, that's my uh, that's my big takeaway for the uh, for the Colorado. Um, it is um, if if you're a huge Chevy fan, if you love the if you have a Colorado and you love it and you love the way it drives, um, you like the idea of having a turbo in your little truck and you, that you can hear, and um, you don't care all that much about um, telescope <laughs> telescoping <laughs> steering wheel. Yay! <laughs> this is the truck for you. Uh, it, yeah, I was really just sitting in the car for like the first 10 minutes. They dropped it off. They had to do a bunch of stuff. I go out to – I don't even know why I was in the car. I was going out to like move it or go somewhere, just drive it. And I'm like, what's going on? I was it's just, not I'm, working. I'm really like <laughs> yanking on the steering wheel trying to pull it out. And I'm like, is it stuck? Is it looking – I'm like, I don't think this thing has one. <laughs> then I was afraid I was going to break it. I'm like, oh, what if it's stuck and I break it? That's going to be a – it's going to be See, a bad that's always day. The fear. You keep, you're like, this should move. This should move. Wait, am I just going to break something off of the car or should this move? Yeah. Yeah. So there's our title, Stank, uh, Yanking the Steering Wheel. Yanking the Steering Wheel. <laughs> so that's a, Chevy, that's a Chevy Colorado. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I use it to carry stuff. I went and bought eight, no, 12 bags of mulch. You did get mulch? I, I went and we went and bought mulch wow. with it. And then I used okay. it to return two e-bikes to a, a manufacturer. Okay. Um, to their retail store. So yeah, you can throw things in it. It's got one, two, three, five, I believe four hooks in the back or four ringlets you can hook things onto. So that's great. Um, yeah, it's got all the tr- all the truck things you want to do with it, except for you know have a steering wheel closer to. Except you. for a steering wheel, you can adjust. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second vehicle I drove was far less exciting. Uh, it was the Lamborghini. Did it have Bird an adjustable truck. steering column? It did have an adjustable steering. It better have an adjustable <laughs> steering column. For the price of this thing, uh, it was the Lamborghini um, Huracan Technica. It Ooh. is uh, – it's sort of – you know, it's kind of Lamborghini's la- – well, it's not sort of. It's the last hurrah of their V10, their big 10-cylinder mega engine from hell. Um, Does the Serato have the V10 or is it a V8? I don't know. I think it has the V8. I, I, was, I was looking up. I don't think this. they don't have it. With the little, I was looking at the tables, you know, the, of all the cars with what, who has what, um, and I didn't see this the Storado one. So I've driven, I think, every version of the Huracan except for the Storado at this point. Um, so I know, fancy, huh? Uh, so fancy. this is the 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 Technica. It is a not quite uh, the STO. It's essentially what, what how they're putting it. The STO is like just track. It's a track car, the Huracan STO. This is like it's track, but also you can drive it on the road. But you get in it and there's no there's no there's no carpets. It's just like you know, <laughs> there's no uh, there's, there's no uh, like handles on the doors. It's just to open the door. There's like a, just a little loop, a little cloth like canvas loop, and you, you just like keep the weight up. down as much as possible. Yeah, you're you're getting the weight down as much as possible in this thing. 
and it is uh, fantastic. Is what. <laughs> <laughs> It's big and it's loud and it's throaty and it's a hurricane. And it's a rear wheel drive. It's got uh, – look at my, my numbers. Oop. Oh, these are Newton meters. That's not going to help you all at all. <laughs> what do you say? Well, Newton meters? Oh, this is an American way. audience, Robbie. I wrote, hold numbers. on. I get my, where's my other note? There it is. How many okay. Newton uh, I got to, I got it. So it's Sam's got, about uh, to do it in his head. He's going to calculate the difference is what gonna, was going to happen there. <laughs> okay. So uh, how many Newton meters is it? Oh, I can. Oh, okay. So they gave me the the number, but let me tell you the newton meters in the sea. Five hundred and sixty-five newton meters. Are so you gonna do it a, in your head? It's a it's about four hundred foot pounds of torque, roughly. Four seventeen. Good job. Yeah. See, he does know it. Look Go engineering, that. man. Woohoo. Uh, yeah. No, it's uh, it's it's really fun to drive. Um, it's only um three thousand pounds. Well, actually, they put three thousand forty point one seven five pounds. <laughs> That's the drive. Could it that's be a, a little bit that's more dry precise without, you know, without, instead yeah. of these willy-nilly estimates? <laughs> One seven five pounds. That's when, when you rip you, everything well, out of the vehicle. Well, you, you know you know what that is. They, they weighed it in kilograms and then just yes. put, did the conversion and just put and it just, just copy and paste. Point one seventy five. Didn't, didn't, didn't even bother to, to Didn't like Maybe we should adjust it. this and not round it that yeah. way. <laughs> nah, give them the exact number. We're a precision so, company. Wait. Okay, so what, what was that weight again? Uh, three thousand forty po- and point one seven five. Three thousand forty. That's dry, and that's clicking. that's dry weight. That's not that's not with the bits in it and whatnot. Is so yeah, working? that's that's exactly one thousand three hundred seventy nine kilograms. See, All right, that's so what it's one thousand. Whatever Sam just said, kilograms. <laughs> thirteen thirteen seventy nine. Thirteen seventy nine. So uh, Lamborghini says it's been developed for pilots driving. Fun and lifestyle perfection on both road and track, um, and you can drive this thing on the uh, the road. Um, it, street legal, but you it can. is street legal. It is street legal. It is also uh, if you have a bumpy road, you're going to feel all those bumps, and you can't adjust like lumbar support or anything in this vehicle. If you're tall, um, and this is a problem I've had with all of the Hurricane, well, really all the Lamborghinis, is that they're not necessarily made for tall people. They want to say they're not necessarily – they're not made for tall people. You can, um, if I get in a Herc in, in any Lamborghini with a helmet, I have to like sc- like scooch down and my head's like at an angle. And so I'm on a track and like the most convoluted – You know, I, I need to be a contortionist in order to drive. So they're not made for tall people. Well, if, if you were to get one of these, you, know, you would have to have – probably a custom seat made and yeah. have it bolted directly to the floor with no no brackets you know to and give you some recline so that you could actually yeah. fit in there you know without scooching your head over and that's essentially what the seat is right now it's there's nothing it's just like a seat Kunk. and you have to have it has the big turn you have to turn it in order to like adjust forward <laughs> to adjust it and then it has like a little lever and then it has a little you can go forward and back that's it it's like old timey uh seats where you can go forward and back you can make a few little adjustments and that's that's it. it. That's all you get, um, which is great most of the time. But because the vehicle is built for someone who's shorter than me, it is not. Um, it ended up hurting my back after a few hours, oh, which geez. is weird because most sports seats, I'm like, they're perfect. But most sports seats I sit in are for German cars, which are made for a taller people, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so it's 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 you you need to be shorter than six foot three if you want to, to drive this for like the entire day. Cause it's, it's probably gonna, 
it's going it, to that and the fact that you're driving essentially a track car on the road and the roads are bumpy um it'll yeah it'll 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 uh it'll it'll jangle jingle jangle your bones jingle jangle your bones <laughs> jingle your bones not like uh, a christmas song i feel like it's a jingle jangle there's some christmas song on one of the about- little animated christmas jingle jangles <laughs> that's not like i can't think of the song but there is one and it's like that jingle jangle anyway sorry it sounded jingle like jingle christmas. your bones <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it has rear-wheel steering um, and uh, has torque vectoring, which is cool. Um, it has the best uh, brakes ever. Just ever just amazing. Just like amazing carbon, carbon ceramic or yeah, they, they did do. I could you could hear a little squeaking uh, later <laughs> while you were driving, um, but not until the end of the day. But um, and it has uh, they've increased the rear uh, downforce on this vehicle by thirty-five percent while reducing drag twenty percent. Which That's is just, impressive because um, usually yeah. those two kind of go in opposite directions. Yeah. You know, compared to the Hur- the EVO, the Huracan uh, EVO. Um, so, yeah. So they've done a lot of crazy stuff with this vehicle to just make it better. Um, and, yeah, you can take it to the track. You can drive it around. Um, and it, they've done all these things, and it's really fun to drive. And uh, But you're paying for all this, and the, the, this, the, the base price is $239,000. That's a house. That's a house. Yeah, that's a couple of houses in Ohio. God. Um, it's, more, it's more than we paid for this house. Yeah. Um, but then let's uh, let's 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 say, so the version they gave to me. <laughs> oh gosh, how much was yours? So three hundred thirty thousand dollars. Oh my lord! Three hundred thirty thousand dollars. That is such rarefied air. It's the number of people so... who can't afford that. It's it's like you can you and you know when you buy a a, a supercar you have to the, the I was talking to my neighbor about this and I'm like if you can you have to be able to afford two supercars two Lamborghinis or two Ferraris if you want to buy one mm-hmm. because everything you want to do to it is you know every time think something needs to be fixed anytime it's going to cost you a pretty penny yeah um so yeah it's 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 not a cheap car to have it's a it's a you know these you know whenever I have one of these really nice cars at my house. It's always a little unnerving because, you know, there's a car in front of my house. And I live in the Bay Area, so my house is expensive. But the car is like, you know, almost the cost of your house. <laughs> <laughs> and people drive by and they slow down. And you're like, just keep going, buddy. Just keep going. Just keep right on driving. <laughs> Move along, please. Move along. So, yeah, yeah, no. But it's, it, it you know, it, it is it is fun to drive. Um, the uh, I'm just going to tell you what. the It gets 15 miles per gallon. Really? Yeah, which seems pretty good to be honest. You can say like two. All, all, things, all things considered, yeah, it's not all bad. All things considered, yeah, it's 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 uh, it gets fifteen miles, eighteen on the highway, thirteen city, yeah, fifteen miles per gallon. And that's if you're just driving, like you know, you're you're in the, hey, the regular. It's mode. Better than a Ram TRX. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, that's not so bad. I guess. <laughs> This is actually in the grand scheme quite good. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, this is actually quite good. But there is a gas guzzler tax of two thousand one hundred dollars because it does get which makes it unaffordable once you add on that gas guzzler tax. Yeah, that's thing. that's that's what really pushes you over the. That's edge. your it's, deal breaker, uh, right? I mean there. the 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 wheels the the twenty inch wheels uh, that they added on ten thousand dollars ten thousand eight hundred dollars for the wheels. Yeah, and they're, and they're not even carbon fiber wheels, are they? Are they the the rims loge? I don't. Yeah, I don't think they're carbon fiber. And then the uh, the the color. It's the matte color. The the grigio, uh, so sixteen thousand. Oh, okay. 16, I was going to say fifteen. 
$16,500. Uh, the brake calipers uh, in silver, $6,100. It's just you can just, just keep naming oh things. The black roof rear bonnet, $15,000. <laughs> just all these little itty bitty things. You're like, oh, that's more than my whole car. Oh, the sports seats that, that don't quite fit me, uh, $7,600. <laughs> they don't quite fit me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it does have it – does, it does support CarPlay. I got in and like, boop, it was, if, by the way, easiest stuff for CarPlay I've ever had in a car. I got really? in and just started that like is, doing that CarPlay. Is, that is the one big advantage of companies like Lamborghini being owned by a conglomerate like the Volkswagen Group. Yeah. You don't have to settle for, you know, this nonsense, little trivial stuff, you know, because they can just pick that off the, off the parts bin shelf, you know, from the yeah. BMW Group. Like the, like mm -hmm. the Urus is yeah. essentially, the, the infotainment system in the Urus is just a reskinned version of uh, Audi's MMI, which is, yeah. you're like, oh, oh, okay, that's great. Yeah, you, like it was like the easiest, like, setup of CarPlay ever, but the volume control, there's nowhere to put anything. Like, you can put a phone and then, like, another phone, and that's it. <laughs> Nothing else, that's all. Nothing no, else. No, and so, nowhere to put your crumble cookies? There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no cup holder because I was like, there's oh, no I'm gonna crumbles. go. I'm out. If there's no crumble spot, I had three hundred and what there's was like, it, eighty nine thousand ready to go. But forget it. I'll buy something else. There's a little shelf behind the driver and the passenger, but on the passenger side, there's a uh, there's a fire extinguisher, so you can't put stuff there. Um, and but there is a there is a, you know a frunk because you know, rear engine uh, or uh, mid engine rear mid rear mounted engine. There we go. Not rear, not mid. Mid rear, um, <laughs> I, I just, someone's well, because you can also have a front mid, you know, where the engine's behind the front axle but in front of you. Yeah, like the well, I can't say it, the car that I'm not allowed to talk about. Um, but uh, <laughs> but you, you open it up and there was a there was a bag in there with a car cover, and then in addition to that, I could put my backpack on top of that and it'd be fine. Now, if I took <laughs> the car cover out and my backpack, I could probably get a a, a carry-on, like a roller bag in there, maybe, if it was like a, one of those thin ones. Mm -hmm. So you can, like, you can go shopping. You could put, like, three grocery bags maybe in there. And then if you don't have anyone with you, you can just put them all in the passenger seat. So you, you can go to, like, Costco if you're just buying pizza. Um <laughs> So yeah, yeah. Um, just just a three pack of pizza. What is it? A three, a three pack? pack of pizza. That's, it. That's all you can get. That's like some of those hot dogs. Or, or, you know, a big big bag of nuts. Uh, big bag of nuts. Yeah, like this almonds. Uh, so a gallon uh, so, of milk. Yeah. So what do you what do you think the destination charges on this uh, this mighty beast that I had a, a a grand old time driving around until my back hurt. He's <laughs> like, I can't do it. Until anymore. my old I'm until so my old pain. man back. If you're in your twenties, you're like, ah, oh, this is fine. But yeah. yeah, I'm not in my 20s. Definitely not that anymore. Uh, I'm gonna say 9.95. I'm gonna. I, I do. I'm gonna go 12.95. Oh man, not even of close. Sam won. Three thousand six hundred ninety-five dollars. I won. Well, you have <laughs> to. You have to. You imagine how you have to treat these things. My cousin yeah, works for. Um, Usually, you know, for more expensive cars, they actually don't have – because, you know, automakers are using the destination charge as a way to hide price increases. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, the, you know, Lamborghini, you know, there's there's no pretense that they're trying to hide the price. You know, yeah, but they like, have to cover it in, like, diapers and, like, bubble wrap when they when they, when they ship it. <laughs> so that, 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 that adds up. Did, did they deliver it to you on a flatbed or in a trailer? No, they drove it. Really? So typically, okay. Yeah, the last um, the, for, the when I got the super fast, it was on a flatbed or a trailer. Um, when I got the Urus, it was on a it was in a it was in a trailer. 
Um, but this one, they just drove it. But it's also it's 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 one of the review cars. Mm-hmm. It's got over three thousand miles on it in wow. a supercar. Totally yeah. fine. Yeah. Which is which is great because you know 10 15 years ago if you had 3000 miles on a supercar your miles for a complete rebuild. It was done. Yeah, yeah, you got to rebuild that thing. So that's that's nice. Um so yeah, that's that's I mean that's the again the benefit of being owned by the Volkswagen group is like oh we can you know use some of the stuff we've learned from the other people and make our engines a little bit you know last a little longer. Just hang out <laughs> so, for yeah. a little while. So if you're if you're if you're rich and um you actually are a person who this, this is not for this is not a poser car this is not the, the i bought a huracan and i'm going to the club because you're you're not no it's not that car that, this is that's that's the base huracan the standard that's the base huracan because you're going to get the same it doesn't matter which version of huracan you get you're going to get the same people come up and trying to do instagram photos with you so this is not for that person this is not i'm going to the club this is not i'm cruising down i'm cruising through miami or i'm cruising through la this is the i want a huracan and i want to go to the track and this is my this is like but I also want to be able to sort of just drive it around and have some nice, you know, some fun so on the back road. This is this is for people who are not quite ready to to sign up for the Lamborghini Super Trofeo series. Yeah. But uh you know, because they're they they run, you know, modified Huracans. Uh but you know, you still want to take it to track days and, and just have some fun with it. Yeah, yeah, this is this is that that's what this car is. So if you're if you're if you're looking if you're listening to me and you're uh, a person who just wants to have the Huracan because it looks cool, do not buy this version. <laughs> save the money, save your spine because you're gonna get in it and you're gonna be like, oh, there's no there's no there's no carpet, there's no this, there's no that, there's no and like yeah, that's all. <laughs> it goes faster. That's the, you don't need all that when you're going fast. Get the other, get the base Huracan. Yeah. Everyone else is everyone else in the world is going to be like, oh my god, you got a Lamborghini, and that's all that matters. <laughs> that's it. Or, or if you want to drive a Huracan in Tro- Detroit, you know, get the Serato because that's the off-road Huracan. Oh yeah, yeah. Do mm-hmm. not get, do not drive this. In, like so. a half the time, I'm like slowing down. I'll be, I was going around the back roads, and the ones near my house are really bumpy. If I go to Moran, they're much nicer. But I'm just like driving up. Oh, I gotta slow down because I know there's a dip here. Up, oh, I gotta slow down because I know there's a this here. Whoop! Well, I got and it didn't didn't help with the you know the rains this year also, kind of like you know messed up our roads a bit. So yeah, there you go, Huracan. Huracan. Very good. You need a V10. Yep. So I had something um, slightly less exciting than that. Um, I had, uh, again, a uh, Ford Mustang Mach-E. Uh, it was a premium uh, all-wheel drive um, extended range. Uh, and I've driven driven this configuration before on a couple of different occasions. Um, still really like the Mach-E. Still a really good EV. Um but uh, I got this one again uh, because Ford has finally started uh, sharing cars with the um, version 1.2 Blue Cruise, and I wanted to try it out. And you know, as we've talked about here in the past, I was not a big fan of Ford's implementation of Blue Cruise. I thought, you know, compared to um, Super GM Super Cruise and even Nissan's ProPilot 1.2 or 2.0, um, it was not as good. Um, the new version, this, this latest version of Blue Cruise is much, much better. It, it's a significant upgrade from uh, from what they originally shipped. That said, I still don't think it's as good as Super Cruise. Oh, um, okay. It, 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 it still does. Getting better. Yeah. I mean, earlier this year when we talked with Kelly Funkhauser from Consumer Reports, we talked about their study they did on 
ADAS systems and how they rated Blue Cruise above Super Cruise. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that we learned from that uh, discussion that was not, you know, in any of the stories that, uh, about that, uh, including Consumer Reports' own article that they published or any of the other media reports about that study was that, you know, something that Kelly shared was, was that they weren't – they didn't actually evaluate the hands-free capabilities. They were only really evaluating the hands-on system, the capabilities of the systems. And for that, you know, Blue Cruise did do better than Super Cruise because it kind of has a seamless transition between hands-off and hands-off or hands-on modes. Um, and um, it, that is still the case, you know. In that one, in, in that one case – I would say Blue Cruise is better than Super Cruise. Um, but when it comes to hands-off, it's it's still not as capable, still doesn't handle things quite as well as my experience with, with uh, Super Cruise a few weeks back in the Cadillac uh, CT4. Um, so things that they've changed for this time, they've now added predictive speed control, which was one of my big complaints about the first one. So with predictive speed control, the system's using the map to look ahead at the road. And if you've got, if you're approaching a curve that's a little bit too tight or radius for your speed, it'll automatically slow the car down a little bit as you approach that curve uh, and then resume your previous set speed as you exit the curve. GM has had that in Super Cruise since 2017 mm -hmm. when they originally launched it. The original version of Blue Cruise did not have it. This one has it kind of. <laughs> so kind of but not quite so it, it does in fact look ahead uh, using the maps it looks ahead you know looks at the curves in the road and it will slow you down and in the instrument cluster you'll see a little icon that looks like a you know a white white rectangle with black border it looks like a road sign with what looks like a curve in there and and it actually even shows depending on if, the, if it's curving to the left it shows the the arrow curving to the left or to the right you know so that's that's nice but and it does slow you down just the way Super Cruise does, but it still also asks you to put your hands back on the wheel. Why? Why? You know, I I, I did talk with Sammy Omari earlier this week. He's the uh, the head of ADAS development at uh, uh, at Ford and also CTO or CEO of Latitude AI, which is their new subsidiary that they started to develop level three systems. And he said, yeah, there's still something they're they're still working on that. Future ver versions might get away from that. But for now, you know, for, for safety, they still want drivers to put their hands back on the wheel if they're approaching a tighter curve like that, uh, even though they're slowing the vehicle down for you automatically. Okay, you know, it's, it's better, but there's still work to do. Um, another thing that they added for this new version of Blue Cruise is um, lane change on demand. Uh, so this is something that GM added, you know, Tesla's had it since uh, 2018, 19, something around there in autopilot. It's been a while. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, GM added it in 2021 with their second gen Super Cruise that started on the, the Escalade. And so if you want to change lanes, you just tap on the turn signal stock in either direction and the sensors will look if there's, if, if the adjacent lane is all clear, it will go and change lanes for you. Um, and also if you're driving along and if, if the vehicle in front of you is below your set speed, the sensors will look, see if it's all clear. If it is, it'll, it'll pop up in the cluster and say lane change suggested. And if you want to do it again, just tap on the turn signal stock and it'll go and execute the lane change. It actually works really, really well. Um, still no automatic lane changing. So this is something, and you know, the, the Nissan system works the same way as the Ford. 
the super cruise now um you you in the settings you can go and change it between uh lane change on demand or auto lane change or auto overtaking with auto overtaking on it will if it's all clear and you're below your set speed it will just automatically you know it'll alert you saying hey i'm going to do this in the next couple of seconds and you can cancel it by tapping this turn signal stock if you don't cancel it then it will do a nice smooth lane change accelerate past the car in front of you and as soon as the, there's a gap in the traffic back in the original lane it will switch back so it's, it's very good lane discipline works really well the ford system is still manual in that you have to initiate the lane change with the turn signal stock but when it when it does it it does it very well so no complaints there um, overall performance of the system it's definitely smoother than it was before uh, in terms of you know the car wanders a little bit less in the lane so it stays more locked into the center of the lane and this was um, from my conversation with sammy omari he described this as the stiffness of the system. How much does it try to keep the car locked into the center of the lane? Um, and, you know, you, you, between the vehicle, the suspension dynamics of the vehicle and the road surface and everything, it's kind of a juggling act between how much stiffness you have and how much comfort you have. And most of the time I thought it was the Ford, the Blue Cruise worked great. Um, one exception that I encountered when I was driving to Detroit to go to the Grand Prix last Sunday, um, the stretch of road, stretch of I-94 <clears throat> in the Detroit, going into Detroit, it's grooved concrete, um, which can sometimes have some weird interactions with your tires. And the, you know, going around curves in that, the car seemed to be kind of, uh, oscillating back and forth a little bit. Like if, when I was watching the, the fenders and looking where, where I was relative to the, um, to the lane markings, it was staying, it, it didn't, I couldn't visually see it moving, but I could feel it kind of oscillating back and forth a little bit. Uh, kind of, those groove the, roads are the worst. Yeah. And the, the feeling is, you know, when you're driving in a heavy cr uh, crosswind and you know, the, the wind's buffeting and pulling the car one way and another, that's what it felt like, even though there was no wind that day. And again, Sammy acknowledged, yep, that's that's something we're still working on. That's part of that wow. balancing act of stiffness and suspension dynamics and everything else. So they're they're going to continue working on that, trying to improve that. Um, and then one one last feature that I thought was really good, something that Super Cruise does not do, was the lane nudge when you're passing a big truck. So you're going along, and there's a truck in the adjacent lane, and as you come up to pass that truck. Um, the uh, Blue Cruise will automatically shift the car over a few inches, and you'll see it in the cluster. Um, you'll see you'll you'll see the the image of the vehicle in the lane that you know normally shows it in the center of the lane. You'll see that that image shift over to one side away from that vehicle. So you're still within the lane, but you're just given a little more gap, a few more inches, you know, to that that big truck that you're passing, um, which uh, you know is always nice because you know especially. Going back to the wind gusts, you know, sometimes the trailer, you know, can wander a little bit. So having that, just that little bit of extra space makes you feel a little more comfortable. So, um, you know, that was a good thing. And I think, you know, that should be in all of these systems. Hyundai has that in their hands-on systems in, in the Genesis um, vehicles, uh, in the G, GV80, uh, G80 has it. I think the G90 has it. They will do that. They'll, they'll give you a little nudge away from a vehicle, a big truck when you're passing. Um, and you know, everybody else should be doing this as well. So G 
GM told me they did. They added that because when I did the first drive with the Super Cruise, it just felt uncomfortable how close we were to 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 those big trucks. So the next version, the next major version, when they added more roads, mm-hmm. they added a, a little bit of a nudge because they realized. That okay, I I didn't it was notice making people uncomfortable. I didn't notice Super Cruise doing that, but and I, I hadn't heard them. Say I'm just that telling that's what that. they said. Yeah, well, they, it's, it's possible. <laughs> they next, said they do this. Yeah. Next, next time I get they, into one, I'll I'll have to double check that. But um, so overall, it is a notable improvement compared to where Super or to where Blue Cruise was. Um, but they still have work to do, and you know they know that they've they've acknowledged that to me. Uh, so I think you know we'll we'll continue to see more updates in the next you know coming months and, and years to continue to hopefully make that better still and and match the feature set of uh, other systems and hopefully you know when they get to the next generation stuff, you know, we'll see more changes in the HMI that I've complained about, you know, having capacitive sensors in the steering wheel, less mode confusion. They, they actually have, have changed the graphics a little bit. So there, it is a little more obvious now. And they give you, when you, when they want you to put your hands on the wheel, you get an audible tone and it does switch from blue to kind of a black graphic thing momentarily. And the message pops up in the cluster. So it, it's, it's better but still there's there's room for more room for improvement so yeah fair yeah Getting and there and um you know we talked i think we talked last week about the pricing changes to uh blue cruise um and uh the monroni that they sent me uh for this vehicle um that uh, was uh so this is a maki premium extended range all-wheel drive um this vehicle was built earlier in the year and delivered to Ford early in the year before they made their their price cuts a couple uh, about a month and a half or so ago. Uh, so the uh, MSRP is listed as uh, uh, or total yeah total price is listed as sixty seven thousand five seventy five. Um, you want to guess on the delivery charge? Ooh, nine ninety five. Oh, nine ninety six. Robbie gets it thirteen hundred bucks. I was gonna say twelve. I was gonna say twelve ninety five, but I was like, oh, it's better to to like really screw over Nicole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. thanks, Robbie. I love you too. <laughs> um, so I I did price out the exact same car um, on Ford.com this morning, and uh, rather than uh, rather than um, sixty seven thousand, the same vehicle is now sixty two thousand dollars. Um, including, uh, and that includes $2,100 for three years of Blue Cruise, hmm. uh, which was included in that $67,000 price. Um, and also they reduced the, uh, the cost of the upgrade to the extended range battery, which, uh, when this Monroney was printed, that price was $8,600 for the bigger battery. It's now $7,000. Uh, so we're looking hmm. at, you know, over five grand less for the same yeah. vehicle compared to a few months ago. Uh, so that's that's a big improvement. Not, you know, I mean, 62,000 is still, still a lot not, of money. Not, not inexpensive, um, but uh, but it's, again, it's a step in the right direction. So. Yeah, because we, we remember we thought parity between EVs and cars would happen in like, the, like 2022. Right. And yeah. then there was this whole like pandemic thing. And then the sort and then we had like, you couldn't get anything to build cars and it was a whole mess. So now I don't know. If, I don't know how far parity is off. Yet, yet, but it's, 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 still... it's, it's, it's just a moving target. It's like parity yeah. is like the new um, the new solid state battery. It's always a few years away. Yeah. 
Um, and one of the standard features, of course, is a tilt and telescoping steering column. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, Robbie, it's for you. <laughs> well, it's a 60 something thousand dollar car, so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that is the uh, 2023 Mustang Mach E with Blue Cruise 1.2. All right. Uh, let's talk about some of the stuff that happened this week. Um, let's start with uh, Volvo. Um, Dude, they, Volvo, come on! They, I, they, I was going to spy some other cars, and now <laughs> <laughs> they they went they went to Milan to launch the new EX30, mm-hmm. which is their new small crossover. Which as small the EX yet name, mighty. as the EX name implies, is electric, electric only. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is I, you know, I don't think that they've published full specs as far as dimensions go. But my understanding is it's a little bit smaller footprint than the uh, XC40 and C40, but it has more interior room, and it's also a lot cheaper. It's uh, so like it's just okay. It's Volvo, so you're like, oh, this is a this is it's a luxury brand. It's going to be this. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Thirty-five thousand dollars is pretty cheap for for the U.S. That's the U.S. price for the base mm-hmm. starting price, which is far and away the most affordable Volvo in a long time uh, in the U.S. market. Um, so yeah, this thing's battery electric only. Um, it's going to have for the U.S. market. There's just one battery size, but you can get it with a single motor uh, or a dual motor configuration. Twin motor um, gets you. Um, let's see. They don't have the range for this one, but it's probably going to be somewhere around 240 or so, which is similar to the XC40. Zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds, 422 horsepower. <laughs> uh, okay. The Lamborghini I'm driving right now is 3.3 seconds geez. or 3.2. <laughs> so I'm just throwing this out there. There's, there's a whole I, – I wrote an article for TechCrunch about acceleration and EVs where I talked to Lamborghini's new CTO. So go read it about, like, what that means now because every I want you to put the EV, Lamborghini – and the Volvo on a little right next to each other. I just want to see the, the little Volvo like zzz, go right by it. <laughs> the um, the single motor extended range version um, is estimated to deliver 275 miles of range, which is, as we've said many times, anything in that ballpark is going to be more than sufficient for almost. Oh everyone. yeah, um, and especially for a smaller vehicle like this. And you know, at thirty five thousand dollars starting price, you know that that is actually quite a bargain. Um, this is this vehicle has now jumped right up on my list of you know when the time comes to replace our Civic in, in the next you know three or four years, this vehicle is definitely going to be one that we give some serious consideration to. Um, the same yeah. price as the cheap Konas. Yeah, the, the, like the cheap EVs from from the Hyundai Group. Like this is the same price, and yeah. it's like, oh wow, wow. Okay, so now wow, <laughs> for yeah. a Volvo, and and this is like for for North America, they're only giving us these two variants, um, both with uh, an NMC battery, which is a nickel manganese cobalt battery. Um, in other markets, they're also going to offer a version with a lithium iron phosphate battery. Um, which will be even less expensive. It'll have less range. It'll probably be somewhere in the 2 to 210, 215 mile range. Um, but it'll it'll be even less less expensive than this. And you know, the even at 35 for a nickel battery, that that is a hell of a bargain. And it's a deal. 153 kilowatt charging, DC fast charging. Um, 
yeah, this this is definitely one worth worthy of consideration. What do you what do you think of it? I think it's going to be. It, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I it, it the the pricing on that is just so crazy. When you look at what the average EV costs and yeah. what you're getting, when you're getting in, if you're looking at something that's in that thirty five thousand price range, you're getting the most stripped down, basic, nothing version of whatever car it is. You know what I mean? Like you can't. This is going to be a Volvo, so it's going to be nice and kind of upscale. It, it, in some in some respects, it is a little stripped down. There's no instrument yeah. cluster. There's just the center display, like you get in a Tesla, you know, Model Three or Model right. Y, which is going. And I'm not a fan of that, honestly. Yeah, I don't I'm not like, really a fan of that. That's, I, that's the one thing that you know. I'm just like, oh, it makes yeah, gives me I, pause. I, I I don't I, and I know it's still everything's still there, and I know it has all the information. You just have to shift your eyes to the right, but I don't. I don't like having the instrument cluster where all the other stuff is. I want it to be sort of dedicated right there on its own so I can see everything yeah. I want to see. The is there a head-up display? have the right idea where they put a head-up display. The head-up. But the problem with the head-up is as soon as you put on polarized sunglasses, you lose your Well, you just got to tilt head your head up. every time you're like, you're yeah. driving. Like oh, this, right. That's super, let me right? tilt my head a little bit. Okay, I'm doing 70. And I always, I always <laughs> wear polarized glasses. So then I'm like, well, I can't these head-ups. Yeah. I always like check them out and I drive like, take your glasses off, squint for a little while. Yep, it works fine. I put my glasses back on. There, there are heads-up display technologies that you can get that do work with polarized sunglasses. Yeah, there are. But do most of them use it? How much? What's that? I wonder how many I OEMs. Um, I'm trying to I, think. I feel like most so all of them. Of them none of them. In. I haven't had. A, a, I haven't had a, with my. I have polarized. What do I wear? Oakleys. I don't know glasses that I wear yeah. for everything. And all of them require me to tilt my head a little bit. To yeah, see I haven't what's going seen on. one. I know that supposedly they do, but I haven't seen one where I haven't like had it go poof and disappear on me. So. Like the really bright ones are, you know, like the Mercedes ones are, that's really bright. So I don't tilt my head as much. I can tell it's on, yeah, but some of them you see like, realize it's on while it's I'm driving. It's like you see like a ghost image almost. Like yeah. I can't entirely read it, but there's a ghost image with my speed limit on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would, yeah, that's my, that's my big issue with the car right now. Yeah. They, they also announced um, that there will be a cross country version of this, uh, which has the, um, uh, it's basically a slightly lifted, more off-roady version of the same vehicle. Um, you know, just like they have the uh, XC60 and the XC60 Cross Country. Um, you know, but really, who needs that? <laughs> if, if, if you, if you want to go off-roading, get a get a proper off-roader. You know, yeah. get, get well, a Wrangler EV when it comes out. Yeah. Magneto. I hope they call it Magneto, and then they get sued by Marvel. It'll be fun. They're not, aren't they? Not calling it that. It's called yeah, something I don't think, else. I think it's uh, yeah. yeah. I, it, that was yeah, just the concept. They should have called it that, though. It's a cool name. Yeah. It is a cool name. Yeah. Well, you never know. They they might license the name from Disney. Oh, for a bazillion million zillion dollars. <laughs> Good luck with that. Hey, I mean, Motorola licensed the droid name from Lucasfilm back in the day. Do they really? Yeah, but that was Lucas. Droid. Yeah. That's not that's ah. not Disney. Disney's well, a whole other. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> Lucasfilm, Lucas you know, over over its history has uh, been more than willing to sue people for copyright infringement or trademark yeah. infringement. Yes. So um, next level know. with Disney. When yeah. I was in design yeah. school, that was like one of the things we talked about with, uh, we had um, copyright classes because we had, you know, designers, you have to know what you can and can't use and what you can and can't do. And we had a whole copyright class and they're like, just don't mess with Disney. And they just started like naming off all these, lo all these <laughs> lawsuits that Disney had brought against like daycare centers and like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, these, these days, you know, Disney's scrambling to get as much revenue as it can. So, you know, if they can get uh, get a few bucks per vehicle oh, from, from Jeep, it might be worth it. They might, they, yeah, they might decide if they could, it's worthwhile. 
All right. So that's the EX30. Um, let's see. Did, I think it's coming this late this year. Is it this year or next year? Uh, did they say? I think it said, why did I see? 20, I thought I saw 2024 in there somewhere. Okay. Scanning down the giant press release. Yeah. So oh, we got a little oh, yeah. bit to go. Uh, order books for this. Oh, no, that's for the cross country. Order books oh. will open in 2024. Oh, yeah. um, they, they're starting to take orders, pre-orders for the EX30, the regular EX30 now. Oh, there right. you go. So there you go. Um, so I'm not sure. I'm not sure when they plan to deliver. Oops, um, it would be ironic if they actually end up shipping this before the EX90, which they announced a year ago. Which is delayed now because yeah, they have because of software, software issues of yeah. some kind. Did they ever elaborate what their software issue was, or is it just no. a big mystery? Uh, it's just big a big mystery. mystery. Um, but uh, oh, the EX30 also will be built in China, which is I think part of how they managed to keep the price down. Keeping the price down. All right, so that's the Volvo EX30 coming soon. Um, soon. Ish. Yeah. Ish. <laughs> so, um, Nicole, you and I both yes. uh, were in Austin this week for. We had like, an adventure, less, Sam. Less than 24 hours. Yes. Um, and uh, so we went to Austin at the uh, invitation of Lexus mm-hmm. to see two new uh, SUVs that are launching um, the GX. Um, and you know, when we, I think, I think you and I both have driven the GX, the old, the existing GX in the last year, year and a half yeah, and complained that, you know, it felt old and it it is old, you know, it was, I think it's 14 years. I saw somewhere that it's since it's last seen in all new. So it looks, it came out in 2009. Yeah, it is. Um, so there's an all new GX, uh, which is based on the same platform as the aforementioned Sequoia and Tundra. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's also the TX, uh, which is a new model in the, the Lexus lineup. Um, after uh, making an attempt to slightly stretch the RX in its previous generation to add a third row, they decided, no, let's just do a proper three-row uh, mm-hmm. utility. So they have the TX, which uh, is uh, basically a fancier Grand Highlander. Pretty much, yeah. It's a fancy Grand and it looks... Very Grand Highlander-ish, except from the front, because you've got the Lexus. It's not really a spindle grill anymore. What do they call the, it? The spin, spindle the body? Is, yeah, the spindle's evolving, becoming a little more subdued. But less, less in your face than the old version was. Yeah. yeah. Just slats. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, it, it's nice. I mean, you know, I think it's gonna, probably going to have all of the attributes we liked about the, the Grand Highlander in terms of space and driving dynamics and everything else. Um, the, it also has three powertrain options, but they're not the same three powertrain options that are in the Grand Highlander. Um, you have the, the turbocharged hybrid max, uh, the gas 2.4 liter turbo. Mm-hmm. And um, instead of the, the base naturally aspirated hybrid system, um, you get the plug-in hybrid that we were talking about that yep. you can't get in the Grand Highlander. Um, you know, I, I thought it was because the volumes wouldn't be enough to justify it, but they apparently have decided that, yep, it's, it's worth it. Um, so you can get the, the Lexus TX 550H plus, I think is what it's called. <laughs> I didn't get with, the whole. <laughs> with a plug in, plug in hybrid with about 33 miles of electric range. Which um, is good. I think, yeah. the, I, I, like I already established plug in hybrids. I think they're the. They're the nice happy medium until everybody gets used to EVs. And in, if you don't have the versatility to have access to 
charging and you travel a lot. And that's the thing with this. This is this is a road trippy kind of car. You know, there's a whole family. You can go out. You can road trip in it, which is great. But the last thing you want to do on a road trip with kids is just sit there mm-hmm. and wait for it to charge. <laughs> like yep. that's torture. <laughs> so, you know, so it's it's nice to just have the plug in hybrid and then you can decide, yeah, we're going to use that EV part of this vehicle or not. We're just going to use the gas part. So. And um, one one detail that uh, I did notice about the TX um, that is missing that was in the Grand Highlander that you particularly liked. Oh yes, I love this. Yes, they they don't have the little shelf on the on the passenger side in the front. There's a little shelf in the dash where you can plug in your. There's a USB port you can plug in your phone, and you can tuck it on the little shelf. And the shelf even has a little lip, so your phone can happily sit there and charge away. Um, they don't have that. Just dashboard. Fail. I really yeah. wanted it to have that. Aww. That was such a neat feature. I well, love and, that. And you, and you particularly liked that. You know that that third uh, USB port in the front was on the the right hand side. At, you yes, know, uh, on the door side. Because it's always annoying. Like, and when you plug when they're in the center, like. And depending on the car, you know, one's a charging port and one connects you so that you're into the infotainment. And if your passenger plugs into the wrong one by accident, then there it's a little confusion. If it's just you have one right there for the passenger, you plug yeah. into the one directly in front of you with a handy dandy shelf. I love that. That is that is so cool. Everybody, they should always have one on the passenger side. It's just the passengers. Because if it's, it's in the, the middle, way. sometimes it's in the way right. of stuff, like buttons right. that the driver you're, has to use. Right. And now you've got two, if you're plugging them in, you've got the driver phone plugged in you got the passenger's phone plugged in there's cables everywhere no period the passengers is plugged in over here and it's out of the way and the cable and the phone are sitting on the little shelf but but not in the lexus tx just in the grand highlander yeah mm-hmm. all right so what did you think of the gx i like the gx much i like the gx a lot i like the gx it looks good yeah they had the um i don't want to say overland over trail yeah. which is the their off-road version of it which has two rows instead of three um because you can get it as a three row except in the over trail which is only a two row you can't get three rows in the over trail um i thought it looked great i think it's gorgeous it has very it's it's neat when you look at it it has you see other vehicles like okay it it does look a little bit defender It, it even has a back that looks a little bit like just from the like the back window back in the cargo area that makes me think a little bit of like the Jeeps, the Grand Wagoneer and Wagoneer, the way they kind of did stuff in the very back. So it feels like it takes from in a good way from some very fancy well, and, and very even the, nice... even the classic Land Cruisers. Yeah, yeah, the classic Land. Cruiser. So it it it's I, I don't want to say steals because that makes it thinks it because it does look like it's no, own but vehicle. it's got that that chunky squared off. Yeah. Look, yeah. That, Why know, do we like love a chunky square car? Because they look <laughs> like they can do anything. Like zombie apocalypse. I don't want something streamlined. I want the chunky car. So I feel like that's what this one this one does. I love how it looks. I don't know if I would think that it's going to be people who have a GX. You know, we talk to people who stay with Toyota and just want another Toyota and are going to buy the Sequoia. I feel like anybody who liked the GX who's like, I want another one. They're going to love this one because yeah. it's such a difference. It it it's it's a big step forward. I'm I'm excited about it. I can't wait to drive it. I think it looks amazing. Yeah, I think you know clearly. I think this thing is targeted directly at the Land Rover Defender. You know mm-hmm. that market. Uh, you know because it's going to be you know in this probably in the same price ballpark and you know have you know some serious off road chops to it. Which granted, the old GX did as well because it you know it was based on the Land Cruiser Prado that they sell overseas. So you know it had off-road capability it just didn't really look like it this one looks like it yeah Yeah. it it looks good and i think that was sort of the consensus of everybody 
the collective automotive media that was all there because it was a pretty good crew of people that were there to watch the debut. And everybody's sort of like, oh, the, the TX looks good and it's a nice three-row SUV and that's that's fine. And like, whoa, look at the GX. This is amazing. And that's kind of everybody <laughs> sort of yeah. did that when we were there last night. So we're not the only ones that were really impressed with with the style and how it looked. And, you know, the on paper, it looks really good. You never know until you drive a thing if it actually lives up to it. But on paper and in person, it looks fantastic. Like it's going to be really good for, for Lexus. Yeah. So after after the, the Lexus event, we went back to the hotel and um, I sent you a text message saying, you hey, did. Did you, do you want to go for a ride in a robo taxi? I was like, yes, I do. So Cruise uh, uh-huh. last December started doing driverless uh, robo taxi services in most of downtown Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's kind of in between the two freeways. I forget which ones they are. Uh, like north north of the river, in between the two freeways, you know, sort of most of that central part of Austin is where the service area is now. Um, and you can get the cruise app on iPhone and sign up to uh, to get you get you can get on the wait list to get an account, and they will they're gradually adding people as they get more vehicles available. Um, so this was your first time ever, I believe. In yeah, a fully automated vehicle. So I've no I've safety been, driver. Or anything. Right. See, that's the difference. I've been in them at various sort of even on public roads, but there's always been a driver there just in case. Like he's not doing anything. His hands are you know crossed. He's not touching the wheel. He's not touching the pedals. But there was a driver there just in case the little automatic car was like, wait, I'm confused. Um, and very often an engineer sitting there in the passenger seat with a laptop frantically typing. Um, that's my previous experience. So this. This was, this was kind of cool. Like just, and, and it was, I was excited. Just okay, I'm gonna put my hand, my my life in the hands of modern technology, and see what, what could happens. possibly go wrong. Nothing could go wrong. Nothing, nothing, except <laughs> a few things. <laughs> For a few things, it went wrong. But Sam well, and I are both here, so we didn't die. <laughs> that's right. I mean, you know, there, there's a, there's an old saying among pilots that any any landing that you walk away from is a is good a, one. Right, and, and, and we, we walked both walked away. away. From, at least six blocks from this one. six blocks there and back from this one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the thing, so we, we go downstairs to the hotel and the hotel is supposed to be in the range of where this is operating. And there's this thing called the butterfly bridge. And literally you look out the door and it's like, boom, right there next to the hotel. It's we're going to pick you up at the butterfly bridge and Sam and I are waiting and they're all little white, you know, with the orange and they have all the sensors and stuff. So you can't miss this. It doesn't look like, Oh, I accidentally missed it. It's Prius number 800 picking me up on an Uber ride. It looks different. You know what it is. And it says it's here. And we're both like pacing around like, it's not here. (laughs) Where is it? I don't know where it is. And he looks in the app and it says it's like two blocks away. We're like, but it says it's here, but it's not. When you look at the picture, it's not matching the reality of our reality. Mm -hmm. And so we go to walk two blocks. And by the time we get through the two blocks, it's taken too long. And it's like, fine, see ya. Get another ride. Right. So then he hails it. Did you hail it immediately? Hail it again? Or did I, you make a call then? It, it, I hailed it again first. Yeah. And, you know, it was showing us a, you know, a, a pickup spot that was, as you said, two blocks away. Yeah. And looking at the screen, you know, it's like 605 West 4th Street, I think. And turn around, looking at the building, it says 605 West <laughs> like 4th Street. Huge letters on yeah. the building. There's no so way we were in the wrong spot. We were spot. clearly in the right place. And, you know, then I zoomed out on the map in the app and saw that the car was apparently sitting another four block blocks away on 6th Street uh, waiting for us. 
Like when it got further, we went to it. It's almost like it's like like it was like a carrot on a you know the carrot in front of the donkey to make it keep yeah. walking. It's like another what the heck? Come on! And so at that point, um, I, I canceled it and uh, I called my contact at Cruise and uh, explained what was going on. And as we were walking towards that other location where it seemed that was where it, the car could actually pick us up. So that was another four blocks away from where we were. Um, I, you know, I was talking with my cruise contact and she was on another line with, with cruise ops trying to figure out what was going on. Um, so we finally, on the third attempt, we finally managed to get to be at the same spot mm-hmm. as where the car was going to pick us up. A little Chevy Bolt named yep. Alcatraz. Yes. Um, Which I feel like should have been our warning. It's named I mean, after a prison. It's yeah. named after a prison <laughs> that's in the middle of the bay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, like, it's whole deal is that? you can't escape. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and there were a few moments. <laughs> well, we could have escaped. I mean, all you got to do is hit the end ride button. There's a big yes. button you know, on the on the headliner. It says end ride. Um, and, you know, you can hit that at any point and the car is supposed to pull over and stop and let yes. you get out. Um, but um, we didn't do that. No, we did not. We wanted to get the full experience. So we got in the car. And in these in these bolts, you know, they have a tablet on the back of each of the front seats for the, the rear seat passengers. Mm-hmm. And it's a, when I wrote it in San Francisco, what it's supposed to display on there is your route, you know, what route the car is taking to your destination. So it ver- you know, it's supposed to verify this is your destination. Here's the route I'm going to take. Um, and then it's also got you can tap on there to, you know, have it play, you know, change music, play whatever music you want um, or change the climate control settings. And this was a relatively warm evening in Austin being mm-hmm. in June. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was, it was getting a little steamy and we'd been mm-hmm. walking for multiple blocks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. There was that, too. And. The screens were showing nothing but, you know, uh, in case of emergency, you yeah. know, call, here's the number to call for emergency, um, and then nothing else. It wasn't showing any of this information, so we couldn't adjust the climate control or do anything else. And it was all the screens, the infotainment screen in the front that we yeah. can't access anyway, plus the two screens right. on the they back of the Right, they were all showing the same thing. And we so, did push the button for help. Yeah. There's a there's a get me out of the car now button that's really large and a smaller call for help. And to be fair, there the woman that answered the phone was great. She's like, "Yep, I see that Alca- Alcatraz is you know noted, and we we see that you're you don't have your screens working." And and she asked, "Like, are you? Do you? I think she said, do you feel safe or do you feel comfortable completing the ride?'" And we're like, "Yeah, we'll keep going." She's like, "Okay, well, we'll note that and we'll have it checked out. And thank you so much. And blah blah blah. Have a good night." So like we decided we could have, so I guess we could have said, forget it. We're out and hopped out. Um, but and walked we another six blocks for another, for the next yeah. one. Yeah. Um, so, but we, we, we kept plugging along with Alcatraz and um, the, uh, it, it, it mostly worked fine. You know, it didn't, mostly. didn't really do anything too stupid for the most part. Um, there was one stretch along one. It, it did take a very roundabout route. To get like, to our destination, it was very circuitous. I think yeah. it can't possibly went, went through be the a couple only of residential way. neighborhoods. Yeah. I was like, "Where um, are we? Is it going to kill us? What's yeah. happening? Like, <laughs> take you off somewhere and bury you in the desert, right? It's it's mad but at it, us because we reported its screens not working. How What's dare happening? you? It, it did. It did eventually make its way to the the, the destination that I had selected, um, and um, along the way, along like the I think it was along West Twenty Fourth Street, um, the. Uh, uh, for for some reason it start it slowed way down, yeah. And this is a, a fairly you know, major thoroughfare, mm-hmm. and it w- got down to like fifteen or sixteen miles an hour. 
and we couldn't figure out why it was going so slow. And it's like it was, you know, like it was like it wasn't sure where it was, and it was looking looking around at street signs, trying to figure out where am I yeah. supposed to go. Uh, it turns out because you know, I I shared the video with uh, with Cruz that oh, we recorded. Oh, what did they say? I'm and, curious. And also they had all the data because these these cars are recording everything that happens every time they go out. It records the data from all the sensors. It knows where they are, and they can analyze that later. So they did take take a look at the data and looked at the video and um, determined that apparently that where it did that slowdown was actually yeah. a school zone. That, it was the middle of the night. I know. This is this is something they're gonna fix. But it was it was a school zone that right now the cars are programmed to obey the school zone speed limits even when it's not active. Even a, a school so everybody else is flying by us and here we are driving sixteen miles an hour. Oh my gosh. Well, the at kids. least there's an answer to the question because we're sitting yeah. here going, What is wrong with this thing? Aww. So uh so we did ultimately get to our destination, and in the show notes, there's a link to the video. It's about 22 minutes, I think, yeah. um, of the whole, the entire ride, our adventure, uh, and, and then um, going through at the end um, our uh, our evaluation that we submitted to to cruise. Yeah. Um, and then after we were done with that, then I summoned another one, and it turned out to be Al- Alcatraz came back for us. He came back for us. We're like, dang it, Alcatraz, oh, your man. screens don't work. Let us have yeah. a different one. No. But, but at no. least on the on the trip back, it did take a much more direct route. It did. It definitely was much faster on the way back. And I did, we did discover there was a, there was a sketchy little spot where it was a little bit tricky for the car to navigate and it navigated it, but there was one in front of us, like a robotaxi in front of us. And it got confused. Like they were all getting confused in this one little spot. Um, just because of how the cars were parked on the side of the road, it was tight parking with parallel parking. And it was a little confusing. You basically had room for, for three, three vehicles across, but there were cars parked all the way along one side. And so, you know, it was kind of, tight for two on the other side and so you know cars were kind of giving way to each other and alternating back and forth and the robotaxi was very friendly giving way to everything that went by being cautious but but then the one in front of us had a moment where it decided it couldn't clear the car that was parked and it started to back up towards us and i was like oh no no and our car honked at it yeah i'm glad to know (laughs) which again Cruz told me that is something they recently added you know to help was cool like because then Let's you give know a little, that a little, little chirp of the horn. Yeah, a little like toot like toot. I'm the, like, oh. The robots are talking to each other. The yeah. robots are talking to each other. It didn't flip them off though, so they quite haven't mm, quite gotten mm, the full get it. human get experience. It. You know, it needs well, a we don't know what we don't, we don't know what emojis they might have sent between each other. <laughs> Roadrunner <laughs> might have, might have sent a, a, a middle finger up emoji back to, uh, back to, to Alcatraz. Back to Alcatraz when Alcatraz honked. That's possible. That's yeah. possible. <laughs> But we we did eventually get back to where we originally got picked up and then had to walk another six blocks back to our hotel. <laughs> yes. We thought Technology. maybe it would bring us and we're like, nope, it's still going to be six blocks. Okay. And I went running downstairs in the shoe because I was like, RoboTaxi, I didn't change my shoes. So I still had on like the slight oh, heels no. that I wore to dinner. I'm like, I hate this dang thing right now. My feet hurt. <laughs> oh, the future is beautiful. So there's, 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 we're, Making progress ever so slowly, but there's still work to be done. Kind of like so Blue Cruise. Yeah. So it's not like, I mean, does it feel like I'm picking out? I actually thought it was really cool. I was, it worked better than I thought, but it still feels like it's new. Like it still feels like it's figuring it out. But I thought, yeah. okay, I didn't feel, I never felt like in fear of my life. I was mostly just confused. Like, why are we going slow? Why are we going around this car? Why are you being so kind to everybody? Be a little aggressive, that yeah. kind of thing. But it never felt like I ne- truly never felt like I was nervous. Like, oh gosh. We're going to get hurt. It was just kind of perplexing at times. 
Yeah, it's like when I came out of that concert a few weeks ago, and there was a Waymo in one lane and a Cruise in the other, and they were both trying to get into each other's lane, and they just kept slowing down. Yes, <laughs> like... parallel with each other. They were both confused because they don't work together, so they don't know what they're like. Ah, what do I do? Yep, yep, exactly. That it was kind pretty of great. Thing. And of course, cool. traffic's just backing up behind them. <laughs> we had a little mad. bit of that on that on that street as well. You know, Me when when we were behind Roadrunner. <sighs> Yeah. yeah, that's the that's the yeah the the people of San Francisco can can attest that um, whenever you're behind a cruise, you're like oh, <laughs> like no, yeah. yeah. All right, um, so you can watch the video to see more of our little <laughs> cruise adventure. Um, all right, uh, next up, um, Tesla a couple of years ago started offering insurance to their customers because a lot of Tesla owners were complaining that insurance companies were charging them way more to insure their Tesla than other vehicles. Um, and, you know, there were some valid reasons for that. Like, you know, parts were hard to get and uh, Tesla charged a lot of money for them. And you, you could only get, uh, you know, your body work done at a Tesla approved shop and things like that because they wouldn't deliver parts to anybody else. Um, so uh, Tesla started their own insurance offering for customers. Um, and, you know, they, because the vehicles are all connected and they collect all kinds of telemetry data from the vehicles, they're able to at least nominally offer better rates to customers. Mm -hmm. So one thing that most people don't realize about Tesla insurance, like most insurance companies, uh, when you get your car insurance, you know, every six months you get a bill, you know, it's usually six months at a time and you pay the same month, same amount every month for at least six months. And they might adjust it up or down the next six months. Tesla, adjust their uh, premiums month to month it's dynamic pricing um kind of kind of like surge pricing for for an uber because um, what they do is they are continuously calculating a driver safety score in the vehicle based on how you drive you know how aggressively you turn the steering wheel how aggressively you brake or accelerate and your your safety score can go up or down and based on that every month they adjust the price of your insurance so you never know on any given month how much you're going to pay for your car insurance. Makes it a little hard to budget sometimes. Um, there's another interesting little detail. Money.com did a you know, did an article on Tesla insurance, and something that hasn't really been mentioned publicly, at least not that I've seen anywhere, is that one of the factors that Tesla includes in determining your premium price is whether or not you use autopilot. And of course, we've been hearing for years from Elon Musk how much safer it is when you use autopilot, how much less likely you are to get into a crash when you use autopilot. Um, apparently, the guys at Tesla Insurance uh, are not aware of those claims. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they're, they're just going based on the data they actually get from, you know, from claims and, and from, uh, from other stuff. And so if you have a Tesla and you use Tesla Insurance, and you use autopilot, you will actually pay more for your insurance, not less, despite the fact that it will supposedly reduce the number of crashes. So is it because, okay, I have a question. Is it specifically because the autopilot causes more issues or because people who use autopilot are worse drivers? Um, no, it's because the autopilot can cause more crashes. It's literally because, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Autopilot is considered a higher risk feature and might be considered a factor for a greater risk of accidents. Whoops. Yep. Yeah. And so, if anyone's going to be judge it, like keeping track of all this, it's the insurance people. You know, they're. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're all about they're into data all those and, details. So, whoopsie. 
Yep. <laughs> so if you if you own a Tesla and you like to use autopilot, you may want to consider getting your car insurance from somebody besides Tesla. Because uh, <laughs> they will charge you more for yeah. using the thing that they told you is better. Right. Ta-da! <laughs> Yikes. All right. Yikes. On, on the plus side for Tesla, they did have a, uh, another win this week. Um, and uh, we are now seeing the death march towards the end of CCS yes, uh, for are. charging. Um, GM announced while, while we were in Austin. Yes. Uh, they, uh, Mary Barra had a t- did a Tesla Spaces uh, call with Elon Musk, um, just like Jim Farley did a couple of weeks ago. But unlike Jim, who stayed on the line with Elon for almost an hour, uh, I think Mary was in and out in about seven minutes. Um, basically regurgitated the information yeah. that was in the press release and said, okay, see ya. <laughs> um, didn't take any, out. didn't take any questions from listeners. Like, or here's from the news. Elon. Bye. That was it. Yeah. Um, and the, and the news is essentially exactly the same as, um, as, uh, the Ford news, um, starting early next year, uh, GM EVs will have, uh, software built in to support superchargers and there's going to be adapters available. Uh, to plug your CCS-equipped GMEV into a supercharger. Um, and uh, so, you know, you won't have to use the Tesla app or anything like that. It'll all be built into the car. Uh, and then from 2025 onwards, uh, all new GMEVs will no longer be equipped with CCS connectors. They will use the Tesla NACS, North American Charging Standard, connector. Um you can get I mean, a little adapter for CCS when they're left yeah. by America's for the four station, the four stations that are left. Yeah, well, and the two that work, no. <laughs> yeah, well, my my guess is by early 2025 we will see uh, quite a few of the CCS stations being converted over with NACS uh, connectors on them instead of CCS connectors, uh, because that you know by that time we're going to be starting to see a lot more volume of EVs uh, compared to what we have today. And, um, you know, there's, uh, there's a site called EV station that actually has a, a tracker, uh, where they're tracking the, um, the companies, both, uh, charging, uh, automakers and charging equipment providers and, um, and, uh, also, uh, charging network operators, uh, to those that have announced support for NACS and w- notably one of those is EVgo. Uh, Electrify America. I reached out to them the other day, and you know they said we haven't made any decisions yet, but I'm sure it's only a matter of time. But EVgo, yeah. which has a big partnership with GM to deploy something like 2,700 new DC fast charging stations, um, it says uh, they're upgrading hundreds of stations with integrated Tesla connectors. EVgo is the only EV charging platform that is capable of charging all three fast charging standards, Chatmo, SAE Combo, or CCS, and Tesla, without the need of a separate adapter. Um, so my guess is by 2025, we will see a substantial number of public charging stations. And, and you know, it's only a matter of time. I'm, I'm sure that lobbyists from... GM and Ford and other companies are already pressuring DOE to change the rules for the NEVI program, the National Electric Vehicle Infrastructure Program. Because yeah. right now, to get those grants to build new chargers, um, it has to be CCS, and I'm sure they're pushing hard to get that. Um, oh yeah, they're 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 getting that because it's it, yeah. it's the I mean the most cars on the road have that. Majority of the cars on the road have NACS. Yeah. My biggest issue still is that the fact that uh, yes, Electrify America has had is, is has issues, but I can contact someone at Electrify America and talk to them. Yeah, 
I keep good. Good luck Tesla's, contacting anybody at, at Tesla. Yeah. And I'm wondering if Tesla is going to spin off their charging network, their charging system as a different company at some point. Um, probably not. Or in different. Uh, I don't think so because they like to be vertically integrated. Yeah, you never know. know. They might, but I I doubt it. Yeah. Um, so the fact that I can't contact anyone at Tesla. Yeah. About like, let's say, you know, we're building out the supercharging network and because they're building it out quicker than they were, which, you know, they've been really quick. Suddenly we're having issues with Tesla superchargers. Yeah. And then you're like, well, who do I contact? Like, do I, is it going to be like Twitter where I just get a poop emoji as a reply? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's funny. It's funny. I, on uh, Friday, I sent emails to uh, some contacts at GM at Ford um, to ask a couple of questions, like, first of all, do they have to pay any royalties to Tesla in order to use this connector? And the answer from both companies was no, uh, there's no, no, no cost. Uh, they don't, they're not paying Tesla anything for that. Um, so that's good. Um, the other thing I asked was whether Tesla is providing an SDK, a software development kit mm -hmm. that they can use to integrate the support for the superchargers into their in-vehicle software. And uh, I haven't gotten a response back from Ford yet. They're looking into it. Um, and But the response from my uh, GM contact was, well, uh, you should probably reach out to um, to Tesla about uh -huh. this. Yeah, and I know another journalist who reached yeah. out to GM and they said, hey, reach out to Tesla. And you're like, uh, I, 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 I sent back a response saying, uh, are you aware that in 2020, Tesla completely they disbanded its communications yeah. department and they, res they do not respond to anything? Yeah, it's a black hole. So, yeah. Um, uh, my guess yeah. is, yeah, Tesla probably does have an SDK of some sort that they they will give to uh, other automakers, you know, to integrate in their software stack. Like, like Electrify America, EVgo, they all had an opportunity to re really just be like, we're gonna make it, and they just mm -hmm. like, we got to get it out quick. And so, you know, trying to expand quickly at the expense of reliability just sort of shot them in the foot. Yeah. And it is unfortunate because I do feel like, like you look at these companies that are all doing this. You think if you just, if you paid, like, like you said, just paid a little bit more, been a little bit more thoughtful in how they did it instead of just like push, 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 let's get it out there. Even if it's not working, if it all worked, if it all been seamless, if they had fewer, but the ones they had worked, they'd have been much better off. Yeah. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. <laughs> All right. Womp, womp. That's womp. our official. Our official. Uh, if you if you email us our press department, our official reply will be womp womp. Womp womp. <laughs> so uh, we do have a couple of listener questions um, related to NACS. Uh, so let's let's hit those. Um, Jeff D in the Discord asked uh, question: How fast do you think the small EV makers like Fisker, Vinfast, Lucid, etc., will get on board the NACS train? Probably pretty quickly. I would think. I think, I mean, Lucid is just populated with ex-Tesla employees who are not right. fans yeah. of Elon Musk because they had to work with Elon Musk. Including their um, CEO. Yeah. Right. And so they're all just like, oh, my God, that guy. The stories I cannot like share about uh, Elon Musk are, mm -hmm. is, are, are vast. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you want to sell cars. You want to, you know, and so you're just like. You know, this is this is what we this is where we've gone because CCS just didn't have a company behind it that could that That's could right. deploy. You know, it, it's it's like good... they have to like they it, 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 hate Elon Musk, hate Tesla, but like okay, now they're winning. Like on yeah. this yeah. particular front, they're winning. Yeah. It's, it's like, like the, VHS and Betamax, but Betamax won this time. Yeah. Betamax won this time. <laughs> Sony won. Yeah. Someone call yeah. Sony and say, hey, you guys won. They're like, what? In the ultimate <laughs> universe, you guys won. In the ultimate yeah. universe, yeah. Betamax won. 
Yeah. My, my guess is that by the end of 2026, there will be no no new EVs built. And, and actually might well be sooner than that. There will be no new EVs built with a CCS type one connector on them. Yeah. Um, I mean, and, the fact that you can drive like in, in 20, you're going to be able to just like get in a Ford or a GM and drive across country like you could with mm -hmm. a Tesla without worrying yeah. is that's huge because that's the thing. That's the killer app for Tesla is its charging network. And so, yeah, yeah. they're everyone's that. Yeah. Whenever people are like, well, what if I drive across country? And I'm like, well, then you should get a Model 3 if that's a, a thing you do all the time. Or it's I'm important like, enough I, to you for the one time you do it. Then you need to have a Tesla. Yeah. But now you can get a like an Ionic. Soon you'll probably be able to get an Ionic six that you can drive across mm -hmm. country or Ionic five, and you're like, oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, the other question from Leith in the Discord uh, about this was, uh, can NACS provide the power needed for the 800 plus volt systems to charge at full speed? Uh, and also, is there headroom in the NACS standard for future fast charging cars? Um, so yeah, it it can support 800 volt systems. Uh, and, and it can do it at full speed, but it, it does require some some changes in the software in the vehicle um, because of the way some of these 800-volt systems are implemented in the vehicle. Like, for example, Hyundai, um, Hyundai Motor Group, you know, they are making changes to their in-vehicle charging management um, so, that it, so that it can charge at full speed from an NACS connector. There's nothing inherent about that connector that prevents charging at fast speeds. It's more a matter of compatibility between the charger and the vehicle. Uh, so they're they're working on that. And then is there headroom in the standard for future fast charging uh, cars? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, they'll they'll be able to to go to multiple hundreds of kilowatts. Um, and then t Tesla also has a megawatt um, charger. I forget what their exact name for it is that they announced with the semi. You know that can go you know upwards of it's a different connector uh, a different cable um but you know in a lot of ways it functions very similarly to nacs and that's designed for like large semis you know tractor trailers heavy duty uh, vehicles that need to charge much much larger batteries yeah also the end the tesla chargers are easier to handle the cables yeah, <laughs> yeah that's that's an important thing although hopefully tesla will start putting Longer, longer cables, cables on the superchargers that's going to be because when i took that bmw up and i had to park in the wrong spot to use yeah. the tesla charger and you know when tom and tom over at a, a um i forget how you say it tom malagny malagny when malagny had that for the f-150 barely they have 150 <laughs> lightning and it just barely so they, they they're gonna have to do well and i just saw a video cables. this week from uh, alex at alex on autos uh he did he did took a um a toyota bz4x to uh a supercharger and tried to charge it and you know he had the same issue because the charge port was so far back on the fender uh that he had to park it kind of at an angle to to get to it to, to yeah. reach um and it didn't charge very fast though but but you know those cars don't charge very fast to begin with yeah um all right last one we have is actually an audio comment that michael burns sent in for us uh so i'm gonna play that now Hello, Wheel Bearings. This is Mr. Burns from Atlanta. Thank you for taking my comments for this episode. I want to thank Sam, Robbie, and Nicole for their commitment to quality automotive podcasting week to week. You guys put on a fun podcast, and I always enjoy each new episode. I just want to share my comments as a first-time EV Anything owner after about three weeks of having my first PHEV. 
I made that decision to get a PHEV based on input from Sam, Robbie, and Nicole from the podcast, and also from feedback from the lovely folks on the Discord server. My previous vehicle was a 2018 Ram 1500 quad cab. My new ride is a 2022 Jeep Wrangler 4xE Rubicon. I did buy that used. Why did I pick a PHEV over any other kind of vehicle? Well, it's back to the office after COVID and 13 to 15 mile per gallon fuel economy and $80 plus Phillips just aren't cutting it. So another ICE vehicle was out of the picture immediately. I also can't really afford a BEV right now, and I didn't want to immediately have to get a level two charger for fast home charging. One other reason for picking a PHEV is I didn't want the range anxiety from my spouse. And frankly, with the PHEV electric range, 24 to 45 miles round trip fit my commute perfectly. Why'd I pick the Jeep? Well, Nicole's recommendation was top of mind, but there were some other reasons for getting it as well. First, it still can tow. I volunteer with dog sports and need to pull a trailer on occasion. It still can definitely go off-road. I do like to go to the North Georgia mountains, and I also have to traverse muddy horse fields for those dog sports. Frankly, I'm very happy with the Stellantis Switchgear infotainment, Uconnect. I just love the layout of their vehicles. They're pretty consistent from brand to brand. And I wanted a dedicated space in the back for the dogs. Other PHS... EV SUVs cut down on headroom for the sake of aerodynamics. And frankly, I needed something that was much taller and boxier and back. First, let's talk about the used EV buying experience. I'm going to say it up front. I'm a fan of CarMax. I don't like negotiations and the traditional dealer model. I did still do some research on car gurus and found some candidates at dealers in other states. There was not much to choose from uh, here that met my requirements. And then suddenly my local CarMax had the perfect ride show up, and I jumped on it as soon as it was listed on the website. Don't expect to get a level one charging cable with your used EV. CarMax said if the cable wasn't in the photos on the website, it wasn't going to come with one. I pushed back on this and asked for a concession or price allowance before I'd make the purchase. Thankfully, they offered $500 as an allowance, to which I agreed, and I got the check from their corporate office about a week ago. As a side note about the charger, my local Stellantis dealer, where I've had my Ram and Chrysler serviced in the past, couldn't lay hands on the two OEM Jeep chargers in their inventory, and it sounded to me like they're either getting bought up and or stolen off the lot and showing up with markups on eBay. Frankly, a third-party charger is likely going to be your best bet if your used EV doesn't come with the cable. One other thing, plan on requesting an overnight test drive. CarMax doesn't charge up its PHEVs very well, and I would expect the same from a local dealership. It took me about 15 minutes to get approved for a 24-hour test drive, and I used that extra drive time to check out everything on the vehicle, including the different drivetrain modes and charging experiences. As a follow-up to the charger issue, uh, since the vehicle didn't come with a Level 1 charging cable initially, I got a temporary Electron Level 1 charger based on Sam's recommendation. It turned out pretty well and worked just fine. I did use the allowance from CarMax to get a Grizzle E Mini all-weather portable charger that's switchable between Level 1 and Level 2. That's a pretty robust little piece of hardware for about $500. Secondly, I'd like to talk about the Jeep PHEV driving experience so far. I am ecstatic about this vehicle. I love that I'm getting so much better than 13 miles per gallon. I'm getting 38 miles per gallon after just two fill-ups and about 1,100 miles on on the odometer. 
I'm doing about a 60-40 split on electric versus gas, about 525 to 550 miles per tank. Electric usage would be higher if my company's office had a charger. I can just barely get to the office and all the way back home before I run out of battery charge. On days that I've worked at my satellite offices that do have charge point stations, I've gotten well beyond the Jeep's 24-mile electric range, and it's just super fun to roll up into the driveway at the end of the day on electric. As the Wheel Bearings team has said, you get the most from a PHEV if you charge it overnight and at work. I also totally understand why Nicole recommended this vehicle. There's plenty of power with just the electric. There's plenty of power with the 280-horsepower Turbo i4, and there's lots of passing power with both. It's saved my bacon a few times already in Atlanta traffic. I'm a little disappointed that the PHEV hybrid information screen isn't a default choice in the Uconnect infotainment system. I had to go digging around in the menus to find it and add it to the little toolbar at the bottom of the screen. I like seeing that feedback and having never driven a hybrid or EV before, and I'm certain new buyers are completely missing out on it if they don't know to look for it. Have you guys had any experience with manufacturers who don't include that hybrid transmission information screen by default? I am surprised that my Jeep has a scheduling mechanism built into the Uconnect system, but my coworker's 2023 Volvo XC60 Recharge doesn't have scheduling built in. He's a little miffed about that, especially since his newly installed home charger also doesn't have scheduling. Finally, I'd like to share my thoughts on trying to use public chargers around a suburban metro area. Sam, Robbie, and Nicole are right. The charging network in this country is pretty terrible right now, even in a big metro area like Atlanta. I'd say about 50, there's a 50-50 chance that a J1772 charger is going to work. I haven't seen many Tesla destination chargers, so the local J1772s get picked off by Tesla owners more often than not. My best luck has been with charge point stations. The same one that I mentioned is at one of my satellite offices. My second favorite has been the SEMA Connect chargers, where you enter the code from the charger to get it started. I found one that only charges for parking near my office, and it's been nice to have that as a backup. If you look in office parking lots, you can usually find on the weekends free charging because, I'll be honest, the Tesla owners have gone home. I would recommend watching out when you sign up for apps. Don't sign up for all of them at once, which is what I did. Your credit card or Apple Pay will get charged to fill up the charging account, (laughs) and you'll end up with a bunch of $10 or $20 charges that you might not use, especially if a particular network isn't located near you. The last thing I'd give you a bit of advice for if you're a first-time EV buyer, be careful of restricted stations on plug share or stations that should be marked as restricted. I tried to test an open corporate parking lot charger at night when I first got the Jeep and I didn't have that level one charger and a security guard yelled me off the lot via the PA. Oops. Oh, geez. So to summarize, I just want to thank you guys for what you're doing on this podcast and just really appreciate the responses that you're giving to listeners like me who are trying to get into their first PHEV or EV and taking our questions. Nicole's recommendation for the Jeep Wrangler 4xE was spot on, even if we bought it for different reasons. She was wanting to do trail riding in silence. I may eventually get there, but I'm going to try and make use of the electric round trip to and from work as much as possible and get better gas mileage in the process. And I 
fully agree with you guys. The state of charging is a mess. I'm glad I only have 17 kilowatts to charge up at any given time on this Jeep. Thanks again for all your help and this fantastic show. Keep being awesome. All right. Thank you, Michael, for sending that in. That was a lot of, lot of stuff there. And a uh, big win for Nicole. Yay! I'm so glad hey, you Nicole, like it, Michael. Nicole, you talked someone into doing something. It's a little <laughs> scary when someone gets you like, I think this is a great car. Like, oh my gosh, well, they hate it. <laughs> like, they, yeah, they buy it. So, they're like, Nicole, you ruined my you life. You ruined my whole life by recommending My wife car. left me. My children hate me. <laughs> my dog won't talk to me anymore. <laughs> my yeah. family has disowned me. I'm so glad you like it, and I'm glad you're enjoying it and having fun with it, and Good reasons for buying it, especially with having enough space for the dogs in the back, because aerodynamics and making a sloped roof is not something that wranglers think about. So, yeah, I'm glad that yeah. you're enjoying it. So that's good. All right. And with that, uh, we're going to call it a show. And uh, we will be back in a few hours with, uh, uh, with Leo Laporte on yeah. This Week in Tech. So uh, make sure you check that one out. Uh, I will add a link to that in the feed uh, later on. Uh, but... Uh, um, yeah, if, if you're around on uh, Sunday afternoon or, or if you're not a Twit listener, you know, make sure you, you check that one out because uh, the three of us will all be on together with Leo uh, this afternoon at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific time. Double podcast day. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.